from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to have you here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. God bless to everybody out there and to everyone that's going through the bad weather, tumultuous weather, the storm. Please be safe. Please be well, and and you're in our prayers, you're in our hopes, and if there's anything that, that we can do outside of that, you let us know. We love you, we appreciate you, we thank you for everything that, uh, you know, we, we just, just keep keep being you, just keep fighting, and I'm here. So hopefully if anybody's going through some tough times, whether it be the weather or something else, you know that you got me. I know that, you know, I'm a stranger. I'm just here on the radio. I'm a voice on the radio, but I mean it when I say this. I love you. I want nothing but the best for you, and I'm always praying for you because it, it doesn't matter if you're a stranger. If I know you, you got to be good to the rest of the people in the world. You got to be good to the people coming in, the people going out, and, the, and, and everybody in between, so... My prayers, my hopes are with each and every single one. Whether I know you or not, I pray the best for you every single day, no matter what. So with that being said, let's hop into the morning menu and get ready for the show. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on Thursday, October 11th. We're very excited here on Thursday, October 11th, 2018. You know every Thursday starts off with Papa Joe. So Papa Joe is going to be joining us in just a little bit here in just a second. We're going to be talking about college football. Have a lot to discuss. I talked to you about the unbeatens yesterday. There's more unbeatens that we haven't gotten to yet. The only conference to have three unbeaten teams in the FBS is the American. American Athletic Conference that I cover so closely, Cincinnati, South Florida, and Central Florida. So we'll talk about the unbeatens, who we believe will stay unbeaten, the other unbeatens to discuss, West Virginia, Alabama, as well as NC State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. So we'll get into all of that. We'll make our picks as well, and we will, of course, discuss UCF and, and how special this run has been, and if Papa Joe and I think they're getting the respect that they deserve, and then we'll talk a little bit about Syracuse. So with all that being said, Papa Joe's pick's coming up in a second. Right after that, in the first hour of the show, you'll hear, of course, another signature segment of Wake Up Call that's Coaching with Class with Katie Kalinske, where we will be discussing going into her first season with Buffalo basketball as opposed to Syracuse and what she's doing to prepare for that, what her biggest challenges have been. And then she'll get into Syracuse football fans. And it's something I've talked about on the show a lot, whether it be Syracuse or someplace else, fair weather fans. She has a lot of emotion toward it. We're going to discuss that coming up in at the uh, bottom of the first hour. And then in the second hour of the show, 
It's fantasy football discussion on week six, the fantasy football power hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com comes to you live, presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Pen and Trophy Center. So plenty coming up on today's broadcast. Let's make it happen first and foremost with Papa Jay. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine, except for the weather, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and and apparently this this uh, this Hurricane Michael has created the situation for us here in Central New York, where it's been 81, 91, it's seventy four right now, and then it's supposed to drop to the fifties. So we're going to see a, a thirty degree decrease over the next couple days, and I think that has something to do with it as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you live in Florida long enough, and you're going to encounter one of these storms, and it's a it's a very eerie feeling, and the sound is deafening, and it's uh, it, it's it's just it never stops. It's continual, continual, and it's just scary as can be. And you just hope the roof stays on your house, and your car's all right, and your trees are all right, and your people are all right. So, you know, uh, prayers are out to those people in the Panhandle. Absolutely, you know, people in the Tallahassee area and in that Panhandle and and beyond. You know, our prayers always go out to each and every single one. It's the craziness of it all. You know, you, you, you get to live close to Disney. You get to live in, in paradise, so to speak, and, you know, by the beach and warm weather pretty much all year round. But there's a trade off to it, which is this unfortunate weather, which, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's sad. And, you know, but that's I mean, living down in Florida, you know, I, I got to get a feel for it a little bit. That you know you, you live in this beauty, but you also know that on the other side of the beauty is is the beast, so to speak. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, you know the people on the coast uh, really get it bad, and we do. Of course, we live on St. Augustine, and the West Coast, uh, in the Gulf area, there uh, not much left of a couple of cities up there. At a little small beach that we used to go to years ago called Mexico Beach. That's underwater. Uh, Panama City got a direct hit. The Air Force Base got destroyed. It's just—it's terrible. Uh, I don't even want to look at the pictures anymore. It's just—it's depressing. Well, you know, and and obviously our our prayers go out to everybody out there, like we said, and our hopes go out to you and everyone that feels like they're alone. You're not. We love you. We appreciate you. We're here with you, and we hope the best for you. With that being. Okay. But with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, Papa Jay, you know we heard the Go Gators on the on the uh, side for you. Your Gators, we got to discuss this. We're going to talk about some unbeaten teams that are still left in FBS college football. But let's talk about your Gators because I had this conversation yesterday, and the conversation had to do with you know it wasn't only the Gators, but it was also Michigan. It was. You know, the first game of the season, fire this coach. What's going on? We have no control. We can't win. This isn't going to work out. And then all of a sudden, after the first couple weeks of fire this guy, who is this guy? Where is this program headed? The Gators are 5-1. and one. Michigan's 5-1. and one. So what do you think about your Gators? They lost in week two to Kentucky by 11. And since then, they just they beat Mississippi State which was the former school that Dan Mullen was coaching. They just took down LSU and took LSU out of the top five and out of the top ten. So, you know, they pulled down LSU, they pulled down Mississippi State, and they've been on a four-game winning streak since losing to Kentucky. What do you think about it? Great effort. Uh, 
you know, after watching a Kentucky game where they got manhandled on both sides of the ball, uh, it was good to see this effort. Coach Mullen is an extremely uh, bright man, and he's he's not a yeller screamer kind of guy. You know, he's very subtle, but he does get excited. But he has a, his way of communicating, and that's what he does, especially with quarterbacks. Uh, and Florida's offense has a long way to go. It, frankly, they're not very good. But, you know, uh, when you play defense as well as they do, uh, you're always in a game. And uh, when, when they had to, they stopped LSU and uh, stopped them cold. Uh, the interception there late in the game for a touchdown, great, great, great effort. So you see this team go to 5-1. and one. What do you think of Dan Mullen so far? Oh, you know, he's the real deal. Uh, we're familiar with Coach Mullen when he was with uh, Urban Meyer uh, when Tim Tebow was the, was the quarterback. And uh, Coach Mullen was, uh, was very instrumental in helping Tebow uh, arrive to where he was. So, you know, he's, he's, he's a wonderful recruiter. He's great with the kids. He's great with the parents. Uh, uh, Florida's, Florida has a tough way to go. Though. Just because they're 5-1 and one doesn't mean they're going to get anything. You know, they, this is the SEC. they got a long way to go. they got some tough games coming up. And uh, they, even though they're going to Vanderbilt uh, this weekend, you know, Vanderbilt's certainly not a cupcake. I mean, they play in the SEC. they got to play. So uh, I'm looking for them to take control early in that game. Uh, and then be ready for Georgia. We're going to stay in the SEC here in Papa Joe's Picks with Papa Joe, myself, Dan Tortora. Speaking with you with you on college football every Thursday morning on Wake Up Call. And the other unbeatens inside, well, I shouldn't say the other unbeatens, the unbeatens in the SEC. So we talk about Florida being 5-1. and one. Alabama is undefeated, and so is Georgia. I'm going to read you Alabama's schedule here and, and let you know what they got left, and then I'm going to ask you a question on this. So Alabama is 6-0. and They have Missouri ten, at Tennessee, at LSU, Mississippi State, Citadel, and Auburn. Thoughts on the chances of Alabama going undefeated through the regular season? Do they lose a game somewhere in this? What do you think about Alabama? Uh, it's not a schedule, but it's tough enough when you could play LSU and Auburn. Uh, you know, the thing with Alabama is that they were, they were so, they're so dominant that they don't actually get to play a full game. And people don't realize that they say, what well, he scores 56 to seven or something like that. You know, I went, I watched the Alabama Arkansas game just for, I turned the TV on. I went to the bathroom. I came back was 14 to nothing in, you know, inside of three minutes. Uh, they're explosive. They're high flying. They got some fabulous athletes on the, on the ends. They're the, the kids are running all over the place. Tua can get the ball anywhere he wants to. The problem I have with Alabama is that they don't. They're not playing a full game yet, and they haven't been challenged. Certainly, when they play LSU and Auburn, they're going to be challenged, and they're going to have to play four quarters. So that may come into play, uh, you know, later on in the year. You got to be ready to play four quarters. And when you so I mean Alabama obviously can, can they look like they're you know dictating the pace they could do what they want to do Tua Tagovailoa is doing a tremendous job at quarterback for Alabama something that we saw toward the end of last season and now going into this season he hasn't missed a beat almost looks like there was <laughs> it almost looks like the game that he played in to start the season was the game right after the national championship like he had no time in between no rust. The other team in the SEC that's undefeated is Georgia, and I want to take a look at where Georgia's at right now. They're above Kentucky, but Kentucky's close. 
Six and zero is Georgia. Kentucky is five and one. They're going to play each other in a few weeks here on November third. We're looking at Georgia. They're at LSU. They're home against Florida at Kentucky. Auburn, UMass, Georgia Tech are all at home. Thoughts on Georgia? I mean, they obviously lucked out with playing at the end of their season three home games and four of their last five are at home. But what do you think about Georgia so far? Well, they're tough. Uh, tough defense. Got a good quarterback in from. Uh, really regulates the game well. Actually, Georgia has a chance to lose a couple of games here. Those are not easy teams that, that they're going to be playing. Now, it's going to go a long way, Florida-wise, how they look this weekend, how they match up with Georgia in the next week. Uh, they don't match up good with Georgia. As I stated earlier, Florida's offense is not very good. Georgia can score anywhere also, maybe not as much as uh, uh, Alabama, but they're a top-flight team. they got a wonderful coach coming from the Nick Saban tree, and I, I look for them to uh, to hang in there. I, I do think that they may lose once uh, in their season. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. So we got Georgia, obviously, you know, could drop one somewhere in here. They're, they have to run the gamut of facing LSU, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn. I talked about that yesterday. Not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. I think the chances of Georgia losing, you know, as opposed to Alabama, are much greater, in my opinion, that, you know, Alabama, they may drop one somewhere, maybe against Auburn, but to me, Georgia, I don't think they're going to go 4-0 through those four games I just mentioned. West Virginia is also undefeated, Papa Jay. And, you know, obviously their quarterback is who gets a lot of attention in the grand scheme of things here. When we take a look at, you know, where everybody stands, they're at the top of the Big 12 right now. And and as people know, the Big 12 is not split up by division. So it's just the Big 12 in and of itself. There's only 10 schools in the irony. And Will Greer has been the focus. Now, West Virginia in the Big 12, not known to play defense. Will Greer, there's a lot of focus on how great he is and how great he can be. But in his most recent game against Kansas, who's been a bottom feeder, not only of the Big 12, but the FBS in general, he threw four touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions. What do you think about Will Greer, and and what do you think about West Virginia? Well, I don't get to see West Virginia months. I certainly read about him a lot. And Florida's got to be kicking themselves for giving up on Will Greer. Uh, He was signed... Uh, years ago, and of course now he's a 22-year-old grown man, and uh, he's 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 the real deal. Uh, I, I don't look for West Virginia to go very far. I think that I think I think he's a good quarterback, certainly, and but I think they're going to be exposed here going down the road. Uh, I don't look for them to be much. They, they got a shot also to lose in a couple of games, so I don't think we can be talking about them being undefeated at the end of the year either. There's another team that I don't think is going to end the regular season undefeated, and that's Clemson. Syracuse gave them a scare and ultimately struggled down the stretch. Their defense and their offense at the end of the game was 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 having its moments just enough to allow Clemson to win the game at home. They have to play NC State on October 20th. They get a break. They get this week off. But NC State two years ago missed a field goal, went to overtime, and lost against Clemson. Then last year... Ryan Finley hits his wide receiver over the middle, catches the ball, gets hit, drops the ball as he crosses the goal line. No touchdown. They lose that game. NC State has come so close to winning the ACC Atlantic and beating Clemson the last two years. Is the third time a charm, and does Clemson 
go undefeated. They have NC State, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Duke, and South Carolina. I don't see them going undefeated. I think Syracuse exposed them a bit. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Good points there, Daniel. Uh, Clemson is an awesome team, though. Uh, They got a super young quarterback that's going to be throwing it all over the Pitching it all over the yard, as Coach Spurrier used to say. Um, I, I read yesterday an article about uh, draft picks for the NFL, and I think three of the four Clemson defensive linemen are going to go in the first round. Their defense is going to carry them. I mean, Lawrence can throw the ball. They can score. But they're gonna, their defense is going to carry them. Uh, NC State, I think, is, is in for a rude awakening. They've done a great job. They're a good team. They're not a great team, but I think I think Clemson handles any any problem they have right up until actually Florida State. Uh, you know, I wouldn't dismiss Florida State either. I mean, they blew it last weekend against Miami, <clears throat> and you know they can rise up. They certainly have the athletes. Athletes, whether they're being coached correctly or not, I'm not so sure about that. The uh, jury's going to be out on Willie Taggart for a long time there. Uh, I, I look for Clemson to go all the way. Go to be challenged a few times, and I think. I think they're not necessarily for NC State, but I think I think FSU is going to give them a good battle. Speaking here with Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks this morning on Wake Up Call and every Thursday morning to start the show. Papa Jay, there's a team that I've definitely become a fan of watching, and that is Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback of the team, was recruited by Syracuse, ultimately chose Ohio State. The team looks good. The team is 6-0. and They had that big-time win over Penn State by a point. They gutted it out. I watched that game. That was a big-time game. Biggest game that they played so far. Down the stretch here, they play, un- they play unranked Minnesota at home, unranked Purdue on the road, unranked Nebraska, who's all kinds of tr- who, who has all kinds of problems. They play them at home. At Michigan State, unranked. At Maryland, unranked. And then Michigan, if they're still ranked by this time, that'll be the only ranked team that they play. So in the second half of their season, they're only playing one ranked team. Thoughts on Ohio State potentially running the gamut? I think this Ohio State team is going to end up in the college football playoff, in my opinion. I think you're correct. Um, uh, Ohio State, I don't get to see them a lot. I don't read a lot about them either, uh, uh, mainly because I don't want to talk about Coach Meyer. (laughs) Uh, But... um, Ohio State, I think, is going to be put in the same situation that Alabama is in, and as they don't get to play four full quarters because they're going to they're going to be run all over teams. So, you know, Haskins can throw three or four touchdowns in the first half, and the second half is nothing. You know, they don't get to bang around. You know, you can't when you get to this level, you can't play just two or three quarters. You got to play four, and teams have got to be challenged. And uh, Ohio State is not going to be challenged. I agree with you. I think they're going to be one of the, the entrants into the uh, into the football playoff. And it's conceivable that even Penn State could be there with only one loss. Uh, and I and I think I'm not, don't quote me on this. I think that perhaps we will see a one loss team into the playoffs this year. And when we when we look at these teams, and, and who would be the one loss team in your opinion right now? Oh geez, I guess it'd have to be LSU. Uh, uh, LSU would be one. I guess Michigan. You can you can talk about them. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Out west, there's nothing really that blows my skirt up. Uh, maybe Washington, but uh, you know, it, it's good. It, if if Georgia loses, they still have a shot to be in there too. Mainly because if Georgia runs the East 
the SEC East, they're going to play against Alabama. It's conceivable that Alabama could have one loss if those two teams uh, play each other. So it's it's tough it's tough to call on that. You know, there's I don't know there's ten or eleven teams that are undefeated, uh, and we're only talking about really five or six that have a chance to get there. You know, UCF is greatest. You know, they've been is fine. You know, uh, Colorado's undefeated. You know, these. Those are good teams, nice teams, you know, but we're talking about the elites here. And uh, the elites are going to make it, not the, not the also-rents. And, you know, you brought up some teams here, and, and Colorado's obviously undefeated right now, but I, I don't foresee them being in the college football playoff, you know, when all, when all shakes out. But I will, I will ask this question. I don't see them in there because I know that their respect doesn't always come you know, to the undefeated teams. It depends on what conference you're in. But the American Athletic Conference, which I cover so closely, has three undefeated schools. They're the only conference in the nation that has three undefeated teams. The South Florida Bulls, who are ranked in the top 25. The Cincinnati Bearcats, who are ranked in the top 25. And the UCF Knights, who are ranked in the top 10 now. Thoughts on the American Athletic Conference. Cincinnati has defeated Power 5 schools. South Florida's defeated Power 5 schools. UCF's defeated Power 5 schools. Obviously, their biggest one recently coming at the end of last year against Auburn. So, thoughts on these schools. And does anybody have a shot in this thing? Charlie Strong and South Florida are 5-0. and we look at you know UCF in the first season with Josh Heupel. They're five and zero, so they lose Scott Frost and they keep winning. And then the Cincinnati Bearcats in the second season with Luke Fickle, who came from Ohio State and came from under Urban Meyer, they're six and zero. So thoughts on those teams? Well, they're you just named some quality coaches uh, that go into these schools. Uh, you know, it could be could be a stopover point for some of these guys, especially Fickle, but. Uh, those three teams are good teams. Um, it's unfortunate that they have to be compared to the big schools. Um, I don't, you know, frankly, I think if they start, ma- if they ever match up one on one, I think you're going to see a, a disparity, uh, especially at the line of scrimmage in the speed of the game. Uh, I remember uh, Coach Strong from being in Florida. He was a defensive coordinator there for years. Wonderful coach, good recruiter, has done a marvelous job with South Florida. They probably, you know, UCF can score anywhere. Uh, they can run up and down the field and score 80 points probably one day. But uh, I think of all those teams, I think South Florida has, a, has the best shot to do it. Uh, not, take nothing away from UCF and Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati is, you know, Cincinnati. I don't know that you can talk about Cincinnati and UCF. Uh, and South Florida against uh, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, and so on, and Notre Dame. So, you know, that, that it is what it is. Uh, they're going to have to live with their rankings, and they're going to have to they're going to have to play well, perhaps at the end of the year, like you just described against Auburn last year. Uh, you know, the jury will be out on these teams. When you look at each of these teams, though, the one that sticks out is the one who did not lose a game last year, had to play eleven straight weeks due to the hurricane. Went into the AAC championship that I was at against Memphis in a shootout, won at home, then went from there and defeated Auburn, who was the team that was just left out of the college football playoff. Now they've gone undefeated with a new coach. They found a way to win and show that it wasn't just Scott Frost and that the personnel can make it happen with a whole new coaching staff. 
What do you think about UCF? I mean, I think if anybody from Colorado to South Florida to Cincinnati, you know, UCF makes the best case of getting included in this thing. If they go undefeated and we're looking at a team that hasn't lost a game in two years, does the committee have to just suck it up and let them in? Oh, that's a tough one, boy. Uh, but if you've got if you've got four dominant teams from other conferences and throw Notre Dame in there also, you know, you're going to have to take those teams. It's unfortunate that UCF is, is has to run up against this kind of situation. Uh, but I do I do disagree with you a little bit. I think South Florida is a is a better team than than UCF. But it, beside the point, they're they're wonderful teams with good coaches. Uh, their quarterback from UCF is should be a Heisman Trophy contender. He's he's a super a super kid. He got a great arm, runs well. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to talk about Scott Frost because you know he's done absolutely nothing at at Nebraska. And perhaps maybe perhaps we should t- uh, inform the people that are listening to your show that UCF has a lot of good athletes down there, and perhaps a good coach can coach any of them. So. Scott Frost, you're going to have to pick it up, buddy, because your your other team is, is going to rake you right over to Coles. Well, and that's the thing that I find interesting. I think people thought, okay, Scott Frost is going to leave like everybody, you know, like every other coach does, right? They're going to leave, the, you know, because this job was a part of the trip and not the ultimate destination. So they're going to leave. They're going to go to another school. They're going to make that big-name school look great again. And then the school that they leave is is going to have to rebuild. Well, UCF is not rebuilding at all. However, Nebraska is 0-5. They have not won a game. They lost to Colorado. They lost to Troy. They got pummeled by Michigan. They lost to Purdue by double digits. And they just lost most recently to Wisconsin. This team is all kinds of in trouble. And they got Ohio State four games down the road here, and if they continue to look the way they look, I'm seeing 60-something to maybe nothing or 60-something to maybe seven or maybe three. What's going on with Nebraska? And, I mean, I know Nebraska was was going to be a test for Scott Frost, but sweet mother, they're 0-5, and they are the bottom of the barrel. And, and, and for goodness sakes, to put it into perspective, even Rutgers has a win in the Big Ten right now. Or it has a win. I shouldn't say a win in the Big Ten. They have a win in their season right now. They have, they're they 1-5, and five and Nebraska's 0-5. Well, yeah, certainly Nebraska's in a lot of trouble, so is, is Coach Scott uh, Frost. But, you know, I think Scott Frost realized once he got to Nebraska that the slow, plodding, three-yards, cloud-of-dust type of offense just doesn't work anymore. Uh, in this college atmosphere. Um, I think he realized that the game was a lot faster when he was coaching Central Florida because he had faster athletes. It's quite evident to me that his team is slow and doesn't play as fast as the other team needs to be. Now, one thing Coach Meyer did at at, uh, Florida is he he made the game faster, and he's taken that that same attitude, brought it to Ohio State, and he's recruiting fast kids to play the game faster. You heard me say this on many occasions. The team who plays faster, they're going to win, especially on defense. When you can swarm with six or seven athletes to the ball within a couple of seconds, you're going to win a lot of games. He did that at UCF. He does not have those kind of athletes at at Nebraska. He's going to have to recruit them because if he doesn't, 
he's going to continue to get whooped up on. That coming from Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. A few more minutes left, Papa Jay. i got to talk about somebody, uh, Stevie Scott. He is a true freshman running back from Indiana. Well, I should say plays on Indiana. He's from CBA, my alma mater, Christian Brothers Academy. And coming from CBA, coming from Central New York, growing up in Central New York, he is, a again, a true freshman running back in the backfield for the Indiana Hoosiers. And he started off his career by playing in their first game. He had 20 carries for 70 yards. Then against Virginia, and a better Virginia under Bronco Mendenhall, they won the game. He had 31 carries for 204 yards, one rushing touchdown in only a second game. Against Ball State, he had 18 carries for 114 yards and two touchdowns. Against Michigan State, he had 11 carries for 18 yards, had a tough day, but did have a receiving touchdown in the game. Then against Rutgers, he got a rushing touchdown, another 58 yards. And against Ohio State, he had 7.1 yards per carry. So he scored in four of six games this season as a true freshman. He averaged seven yards a carry against Ohio State. He almost beat the record for you know for a running back uh, against Virginia, for an Indiana running back, doing what he did, 204 yards, almost broke the freshman record. So he's from Syracuse, New York. He didn't go to Syracuse. Another guy that's left, another running back, namely, that's left Central New York and gone somewhere else. I know that you probably haven't seen him on film, but when I'm reading you these numbers of Stevie Scott, how special is that that he came out of Central New York, and how bad does that stink that he's not playing for the Orange and Blue? Oh, it's it's terrible. Uh, Syracuse got a big black mark on their on their schedule for that. They they should have nailed this kid right away. They probably they should have started recruiting this kid when he was a sophomore. Now, I'm sure he he was good as a sophomore, got better as a as a junior, and just probably lit the tree up on uh, as a as a senior. Uh, I, I don't know how he wound up at Indiana. Congratulations to him. It sounds like he's going to be a heck of a player. I don't know how big he is, but he's got to be pretty fast uh, to play to play against those kind of teams. It's a shame that Syracuse didn't get him. Uh, you know, they got to – they just – you know, there's plenty of good athletes out there. If you're looking to, to, to recruit fast athletes, there's plenty of them out there. And I think Syracuse dropped the ball by not getting this kid. Words of advice to Syracuse. Uh, they started the season 4-0 for the first time since 1991. Then they've gone 0-2 since then. The first half of their season is over. Their second season, so to speak, of 2018 officially starts after this week because they're off this week, so they get a break in between. They'll be back on the field on October 20th, and they'll be back at home. What's your advice to them? They, they've done this before, and this is why I picked Syracuse to lose against Pittsburgh last week because they play hard against Clemson. They play well against Clemson. Last year they beat them. This year they came close to beating them in Death Valley. But I just thought they weren't gonna they weren't gonna bounce back from it, and they ultimately lost the game to Pittsburgh in overtime. Thoughts on Syracuse? They're four and two now. They're two games away from being a bowl team. Last year they defeated Clemson. They had to win two of their last five. They went zero and five. So, what's your advice to this team right now? As once again they've played Clemson very tough and lost right after. What do they do to stop the bleeding after the bye week? Well, this is a good time to take a week off. You know, give the kids a couple days off, then go back at it. I was really surprised that they lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, they, let's face it, they left it all on the field at, with Clemson. They, they, the kids played their heart out. Uh, there was nothing left. And, 
you know, that's a demoralizing loss. They they had a chance to be one of the best teams in the country and didn't do it. And it's just, you know, these are kids you're talking about. These are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and they're fragile. And you saw the fragility there. They, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't bring it up. They couldn't raise it up against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, but I, I look for them to, uh, you know, their coaching is too good. I look for them to, to carry on. I'm sure that they're going to win three or four of their, their next games, and uh, they're going to be bowl eligible very easily, I believe. That coming from Papa Jay believes that Syracuse would be bowl eligible. Let's run the gamut right now and take a look at what we have this week. Syracuse, as I stated, is off. There was a game played on Tuesday, believe it or not, Appalachian State at Arkansas State. Appalachian State won the game. They're a dangerous team. They're one of those pesky little teams you don't want to find in a bowl game. So there's there's a game tonight, Thursday, October 11th, Texas Tech at TCU. I mentioned this, TCU's not ranked right now, but TCU's been kind of a difficult team, and they started off the season with a surge and, and ultimately didn't win the game against Ohio State, and then they lost against Texas. So I think some people are counting them out, but they gutted one out against Iowa State. What do you think about Texas Tech and TCU? Uh, I like TCU. I, Gary Patterson's a, a great coach, a wonderful coach, good offensive coach. Um, and I think I think coaching will win this game. Uh, I think his experience will bring him through. He's got good athletes, probably better athletes than Texas Tech. I think the TCU wins this game. I'm going to go with TCU in this game as well, plain and simple. I think that they're going to get back on this. And then uh, for the games coming up, we we have to ask you about Florida, number 14, Florida at Vanderbilt. What are your thoughts about Florida? Well, this is a this is a be careful game, I like to call them. Uh, you know, you could be let down going up there. You're going up to Vanderbilt. You know, at Vanderbilt, they don't have 100,000 people screaming at you. They have 45 or 50,000 people because it's not a big stadium. And it, it, this is... Florida could get tripped up here. Certainly they have the talent and they have the speed and the quickness to win the game easily. But they got to control the line of scrimmages like they have been doing the last couple of games and uh, let, let the kids run. they got a couple of really good, strong running backs in Perrin and uh, I forgot the other kids' the, the other kids name. But anyway, they're, they're strong running backs. Uh, allow Felipe Franks to do a few things, nothing really crazy. He doesn't have to go throw the ball 80 yards down the field, which he can do, by the way. Uh, I think Florida wins this game. It's going to be a defensive effort, though. I think this is a game that Florida's got to really be careful with because they could get tripped up here. And they are on Espen for this one. You can watch it on ESPN Saturday, October 13th at noon Eastern time. Big time for Florida to show who they are because the nation can see them. Florida, I'm going to pick them to win this game. They have to make sure that they take advantage of this one. Can't drop this ranked in the top 15. Tennessee at Auburn. Tennessee has struggled. Pretty much everybody in the SEC has found a way to beat them. Are they in, uh, are, is Auburn up for a test, though, with Tennessee going into Auburn this week? No, I don't think so. Tennessee's a major disappointment this year. Um, I don't know why. Uh, they certainly have good coaching, and uh, they recruit the same fertile grounds that the rest of the SEC schools are doing. Uh, this is a this is a very tri- this is kind of a trip them up game too. Auburn's got to take care of business, take care of the line of scrimmage, get the game out of out of reach early, and maybe rest some players. But uh, Auburn should win the game easily. But just, there's a case he could get tripped up. I'm going to go with Auburn in this one as well, but I'm interested to see how this game starts out. Typically, games will get close in the SEC, 
and then they'll just break apart, or it'll look like a team's going to win and somebody will surge back. It's it's kind of weird, like a tale of two halves or, or different waves of the game, but I'm going to pick Auburn in this one. Pittsburgh at Notre Dame. We know that Pittsburgh's played spoilers. They did it last season. Could they be any threat to Notre Dame in South Bend? What's your thoughts? Well, it's, this is a this is this should be a good game. Um, Pittsburgh is a good team. They're not a great team. Um, we haven't talked about Notre Dame really being in the the national picture here, going to the playoffs. Uh, I've always thought Notre Dame has been overrated over the years. Uh, they seem to, you know, they seem to trip up every once in a while. Uh, this game, uh, I don't believe, is going to be one of those games. I think that their talent will take over. I. I I look for Notre Dame to win this game rather easily. I'm going to pick Notre Dame in this game as well. I think that, you know, they're in good shape right now. And to spend a little bit of time with Notre Dame, they've defeated Michigan, who's ranked, Stanford, who's ranked, Virginia Tech most recently. They not only beat them, but they went to Virginia Tech. They went to Blacksburg, and they defeated them 45-23 to by 22 points. Thoughts on Notre Dame moving forward. Could this team, I mean, they have Pitt, they have Navy, they have Northwestern, FSU, Syracuse, and USC. None of the teams they play on the rest of their schedule are currently ranked right now. Thoughts on Notre Dame moving forward? Um, as I stated earlier, I'm really not a Notre Dame fan, but, you know, you got to give Kelly credit up there. He, he recruits well. He's a heck of a coach. Uh, they really should take care of business. Uh, but be careful. I got Florida State again. You know, let's look at Florida State is dangerous. You know, I'm not a Florida State man, as you know that. You know, Florida State is dangerous. The, the, if you look at their roster, their athlete, they have so many good athletes. It's remarkable how many good athletes they got. And some of these teams, especially Clemson and Notre Dame, have really got to be careful about this team. I mean, Francois can play well, uh, but. He's got to play great to beat Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame shouldn't have any problem at all for the rest of the season, except when they play Florida State. That would be one hell of a football game. That coming from Papa Jay. I'm going to go with Notre Dame in this one as well, like we were talking about. And and I, you know, the thing I find interesting though, and I got to ask you this really quick. You know, Notre Dame is an independent, and I don't know what's written in the bylaws of NCAA and and the college football playoff. I'd have to look deeply into this. But, you know, if, if I was the college football playoff or if I was the NCAA, I would be clear with Notre Dame and say, listen, you're not eligible for the bowl season. You're not eligible for the college football playoff unless you're a member of a conference or something like that. You could do that. I just It's just strange to me because they can kind of play whoever they want. I, they, they're not playing inside of a conference, so they don't have the strength of the conference on their side, so to speak. Do you like that they're eligible for the college football playoff or no? Um, I'm, I'm 50-50 on that. Uh, you know, they should be credited for what they've done this year, and hopefully if, if they if they finish the team, if they finish the season undefeated, the Notre Dame alumni throughout the country are going to go crazy because they're going to think that they, they should be right up there in, in the playoff. But Listen, they chose years ago not to go into a conference. They didn't want to play in the Big Ten. They didn't want to play in the ACC. You know, you play in the ACC and you're going to lose a couple games in a year. So did SEC and to the Big Ten, too. So, you know, it's their own fault. If they're not selected, it's their own fault. So, you know, maybe they should uh, rethink their situation going forward and uh, perhaps maybe join a league. But if, if they don't, if they're not part of the playoff, it's their own fault. 
that coming from Papa Joe and Papa Joe's Picks. I think it's a perfect way to conclude today. So as always, Papa Jay, I appreciate you. I thank you for being here, and I look forward to talking with you soon. And please be safe down in Florida. I will. Thanks a lot, Daniel. See you later. All right, take care. That coming from Papa Joe once again. Papa Joe's Picks every Thursday morning to start off the show. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. Come back with Katie Kalinske. We're talking about her going into her first season at the University at Buffalo. We're speaking on the biggest challenges that she's had. And we're also talking about fair weather fans and how that fair weather has kind of landed in Syracuse. We'll discuss all that just right after this. This is a wake-up call fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service and so I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcall.com. 
DT, proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And every Thursday in the first hour of the show and at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time today, we're proud to have Coaching with Class with Katie Kalinske. It's a signature segment you'll only find here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And we're proud weekly to have Katie Kalinske join us. She spent seven years in Jim Beheim's staff, uh, on the staff uh, of Jim Beheim with Mike Hopkins and Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, Kip Wellman, and, and so on and so forth. And now she is at the University at Buffalo with the Bulls women's basketball team as the director of basketball ops, about to go into her first season and realizing media days and everything else on, you know, for another school for the first time ever. So we got a couple things to talk about today. Katie, how are we doing? We're good. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for me every day. You know, it's a lot different being here than Syracuse for sure. <laughs> so what's life like as you get set for the season? I mean, you know, being the director of basketball ops, you know, you got to prepare media day, got to get everybody ready, you know, the conference media day and all that stuff. So, you know, bring me into to what that's like, you know, preparing that, getting that all set and ready and, and how, you know, that kind of – is ushering in this first season for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, every head coach has their own way of doing things. Um, and obviously, I worked on the men's side before, and now I'm on the women's side. So, you know, like the men's side uh, is pretty straightforward. Um, on the women's side, we have a couple other, like we do extra things. Like, um, you know, coach will give a link of the day every day to the player that performed the best at practice and like just knowing little things like I got to keep the list of everybody and it's just like stuff I've never done before. So it's definitely been a learning process um, just seeing how different it is. You know, this week we've been having uh, personal improvement meetings with all of our players, um, you know, and I never I never had that at Syracuse either. So, you know, it's just learning how, you know, how Coach Jack does things. And um, it's been quite an experience the last couple of months um, for sure. A big growing experience. So as you're getting closer and closer to the season, give me kind of the timetable. What's on the timeline for you right now as you get closer to this first season with Buffalo? I'm just trying to finalize our uh, contracts for hotels. I'm making sure we have buses. Uh, we have a lot of bus trips. So I want to make sure our buses are scheduled. Um, you know, sleeper bus trips. I got to sign the contracts, make sure it's on the right day. Um, I'll put our schedules together for all our road trips. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll be in Syracuse scrimmaging. Um, you know, so I asked, like, Coach, you know, what, what she want to do food-wise after the game. You know, I, I, I do all that stuff. So, you know, see what time she wanted to leave for the game. Um, you know, it's like a close scrimmage on Sunday the 21st. Um, so just, like, learning stuff like that. It's just stuff I've never done before. Like, I've never ordered food. Uh, we're going to Vegas in a month and playing at Oregon. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what meals we're going to eat in Vegas. You know, we're there for Thanksgiving. Where's our Thanksgiving dinner going to be at? Um, just little stuff like that, you know, making sure I have everybody on the hotel list, making sure I have everybody on our flights. You know, if I miss someone, then I'm probably going to get fired. <laughs> um, I, I just got to make sure everybody's accounted for. You know, I have a flight manifest for everybody. Um, you know, I just ordered flights for our Maryland Eastern Shore trip, which is our first game of the season on November 11th. And I was sending it in today, making sure I had everybody on there and the right birthdays. And God forbid you spelled the name wrong. So it's just like little detail stuff that I'm getting used to. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske and coaching with class here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can hear it in the first hour of every live Thursday broadcast on our weekly Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora Monday through Friday. Hear us on Thursday. You brought up this really difficult thing that you have to deal with, which is planning meals in Vegas. So I, I have to... 
I have to kind of go backwards because you kind of you kind of said it, you know, off the cuff. Yeah, you're not going to play in Vegas where we're going to have Thanksgiving, yada, yada. You're going to Vegas and you're eating food and you're enjoying Las Vegas. So let's spend a moment, go back and talk about how that's a very tough portion of your life coming up. <laughs> you know, it's a business trip, though. We play two tough games out there. We're going to play uh, against Georgetown. I'm excited about that. Um, and we play against, I think, South Dakota State. So, you know, it's a business trip. It's going to be tough. But we, we're going to fly there right from Oregon. So we're going to have about seven days in Vegas. So I think we get there on Monday, November 16th. No, November 19th. And we're there till the 25th. And we don't play a game until the 23rd. So um, we're going to have a couple of days, you know, kind of relaxed. But you're not too much relaxing because, like I said, we got two games that, you know, our high priority of winning. So um, we'll have our fun. You know, I'm sure we'll go see a Vegas show, which I'm planning. You know, like I do all that stuff, like how we're going to get to the show, um, you know, what bus is going to pick us up from the airport, bring us to our hotel, like practice times, um, what colors we wear on game day for uniforms. You know, like at Syracuse, we had an equipment guy, Dan Schwirls, who traveled with us on long road trips. Like I'm the person that's got to figure out how we're going to get our laundry done and, you know, little stuff like that. I feel like I'm kind of back in manager mode a little bit because we don't have the same pieces here at Buffalo. So I'm back to, you know, doing the laundry, which I don't even think I ever did the laundry at Syracuse. Um <laughs> You know, I'm on every, like, Sunday I go and pick up food for our locker room. You know, just, like, stuff like that that I'm getting used to. You know, I run the clock at practice. So, you know, I'm kind of back in manager mode a little bit, too, which is cool because, you know, I get to – I kind of get to do everything. And when when you look at all of this, that, you you know, like you said, at Syracuse there's more people that have – you know, you, you put all these tasks in a pot – and there's more people that are taking it out of the pot where at Buffalo that pot is all yours. How has that challenged you? What are the pieces that maybe have been difficult for you knowing that, you know, in this job that you have at Buffalo, instead of maybe two, three, four people working on these different things, it's just you? Yeah, I mean, and it's not, you know, it's not just me. It's all my assistant coaches and coach Jack. Like, we all wear different hats, you know, and it's, you know, I'm at study hall on Sundays and, you know, I, I oversee academics and you literally wear a ton of hats, you know, and any job I'm doing, Coach Jack is probably doing too, you know, like she has no problem wiping the floor at practice or, you know, ordering something that we need for the locker room or whatever, you know, like we all wear different hats and we all kind of put it together, you know, but we are limited in people. So it's just a different type of, you know, experience and I'm definitely learning a lot and, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but, you know, I think it's really helped me grow to where I want to get to. What has been the the greatest challenge for you up to this point? I, I think it's just doing stuff I've never done before. Like, I've never had to order the meals. I never had to do the hotels. So everything is a learning experience, you know. Like, at Syracuse, we chartered everywhere. So it was simple. Like, we show up to the airport, and we charter out. And here, I'm buying flights, like, regular flights where we got to go through the airport and make sure we're on time. And it's just stuff, like, I haven't experienced before. Like, I've never even taken a bus trip before, you know. So we're going to be taking seven-hour bus trips. And... It's just stuff like that that I'm getting used to, and just I'm just trying to do a good job, you know, so I can, you know, help Coach Jack out in her program, and, you know, I'm not, at this rate, I'm just doing my best and learning as I go. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske, coaching with class as she gets set for her first season as the director of basketball ops with the University of Buffalo women's basketball team. To go from the court to the field, though, you had some thoughts about Syracuse, you and I, we're discussing some things uh, off the air, and, and there was something that, that you know, you wanted to talk about that I discussed plenty of times on the show. And, and so when you said, what are, you know, what are we talking about this week? And you 
texted it to me and brought it up, you know, and you're like, hey, what about this? I've talked about this numerous times, not just with Syracuse, but in general. The the fair weather fan, the, the fan that is with you when it's sunny and 81 outside, but when it starts snowing or it starts getting breezy or it starts raining, they're not coming out, they're not talking with you, they're not there. And, and I brought up, you know, even this week, I said, listen, when it comes to fair weather fans, it's, I always liken it to family. You know, you love your mom like crazy. She means so much to you. If your mom made a mistake, if your mom had a bad day, if your mom got to you five minutes after she was, she was supposed to, would you stop talking to her, ignore her, block her, not go and see her, not support her? You know, I always break it down to family. If your kid has a bad soccer game, do you not show up in the stands the next week? Do you tell them to take an Uber to practice? Do you not cheer them on? Of course not, unless you're a horrible parent. So, you know, when it call it when it when it comes to being a fair weather fan, I always liken it back to other things that you care about in life and, and would you want somebody to do that to you. So, you know, I'm gonna open up the door to this because I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, Katie. So you experience the world of the fa- fair weather fan after Syracuse lost to, lost to Pittsburgh. I'm just gonna open the door and let you walk through it. What do you have to say? Yeah, I just think it's simple. Like, I saw all the negativity on my timeline, and I understand it's frustrating to lose to a pit team, but let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, no one had expectations for this team going into the season, and they almost beat Clemson on the road, and they were up 10 in the fourth quarter, and they lose to Pitt in overtime. I, I know it wasn't the best game, but it's like it's not like they're getting killed. Like, we are right here. So why not show up against North Carolina, pack the dome, and show people who Syracuse is, you know? Like, it's not – you're not doing anything to our players. You know, you're making the world know that, you know, Syracuse football fans just don't care and they're not going to show up. And it has nothing to do with our players. So our players are going to work hard and they're going to go at it the best they know they can. And Dino's going to still be Dino. But by us not showing up, like, we're it's, – it's embarrassing to see the TV and it's empty in the dome. And it's, we're 4-2. and two. Like, we're two games away from a bowl game. That's all fans keep saying. Oh, we just want a bowl. We just want a bowl. Well, help us get there. Help us get that bowl game. But by not showing up, you're, you're not you're you're doing yourself a disservice because those guys deserve it. They work so hard, and you know they they represent Syracuse really well. And I, I think the best thing that could happen is everyone just show up and you know support them. And how cool would it be to have a freaking full dome for uh, their game and uh, not this week but the week after? I think it would be incredible. Um, and, and the guys deserve it. Well, and that's the thing, you know, and, and with Florida State, you know, I'll bring this up with Florida State being down in, in the first game I ever went to in Tallahassee was when Florida State was playing Syracuse for the first time ever in the ACC, and Syracuse lost that game. I think it was 59-3 to 59 to three or something like that, and, you know, none of the Florida State fans left. The Syracuse fans left. Some of them got out of there. But there's like almost 90,000 Florida State fans that are up by 50-plus points, and they're in their seats, and they're cheering, and they're there. Kansas City Chiefs, I bring this up all the time, how Kansas City was having seasons where they were 2-14, and 14, and they built them a new stadium. They had one of the worst records ever in the history of the NFL, and they got a new stadium after that. And fans showed up. When they, when the team was losing, they were there. When they were winning, they were there. They packed it. They were filling up the stadium and putting butts in seats before the team got Pat Mahomes and Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and whatnot. So it confuses me when I'm at the Carrier Dome and people leave in the third quarter 
they give up on the team. Well, Dan, we're down by 30. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to stick around. Well, Dan, we're down by 10. Yeah, things could change. And one of the greatest moments in Syracuse football history uh, as of late in the last 10 years was when Doug Marone said, for everybody that left in the third quarter, you missed a hell of a game. And that was when a bunch of fans gave up on the team. Syracuse came back in front of, I don't know, 9,000, 10,000 people and ended up winning the game. The players have told me when Austin Wilson was a backup quarterback and got to play here at Syracuse, war number five, Austin Wilson said to me, it was a game where they lost to Clemson. And this lady stood up after the game in the Carrier Dome, and she was like, woo! And she started clapping. And then some more people stood up. And then the Dome started clapping and cheering on the team. And I said to Austin, after that game in the parking lot, I bumped into him when I was going to my car, and I was and I had known him for a while. I knew him throughout his recruitment. I was like, yeah, man, what did you think about the fans like cheering for you guys after the game? And he looked me dead in the eye, and he goes, it's about damn time. So, I mean, the players see it. They feel it. They know it. They know when people don't show up. They know when people leave. They know when people stop believing. They've made mention of that when they started 4-0. Just, I mean, what your thoughts are, Katie, because you, you're so close to these players at Buffalo. You were so close for seven years to the players on Syracuse's men's basketball team. When when people give up on these kids, they're teenagers for God's sakes, just just what you know you see from the outs from the inside looking out, because Syracuse fans just when the team's winning, like when they were up against Florida State, they left. When the team's losing, they leave. I mean they consistently they like to remind you that they're disappointed in you or if you're winning by a lot then great, now I can go home and play PlayStation. Uh, just what your thoughts are on all of that. I just think, you know, we don't we don't have much in Syracuse. You know, we have the university, we have the basketball team, lacrosse, whatever. And so why not show up to the game? Like, that's our only football. What, what else are you going to watch? Like, so many people love football in Syracuse. Why not go and support the team that's your hometown team? And these guys, like, I talk to them all the time, and, you know, they, they want fans there. They want to be recognized, and, and they play hard. You know, you can't tell me the last two games they didn't play hard. I mean, they had number two Clemson down to the wire, and they should have won that game. So I just think it comes down to people need to show up for them. And, like, I, to me, you know, I went to the, all the football games even growing up, and it's embarrassing to watch the TV and see that there's it's an empty dome. I just I think it's really embarrassing for the city of Syracuse and – um, you know, I love the fan bases that show up to their team no matter what. It doesn't matter if they're 0-4, 0-5. They're still there supporting them. And, and we have a winning record. It's not like we're bad. We beat a Florida State team that's killing it right now. Um, so I think, you know, I think we are going to be good. And I think this is a big game to make a statement to show who Syracuse is. And let's fill the dome. Let's be loud. They call it the loud house, but it's embarrassing how quiet it is. You know, it's quiet for basketball games. I would sit there during basketball games and say, wow, it's pretty quiet in here. And, you know, we're playing the top team in the country. So I just think, you know, fans need to be vocal and, you know, support your team. Let me ask you this uh, before we wrap up. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske, coaching with class on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Signature segment here every Thursday in the first hour of the show. There's one thing that, that always confused me with the men's basketball game. So I'm going to ask you this because you've been sitting on the bench there for a long time. When the team is winning, the fans are cheering. When the team is surging, the fans are out of their seats. My confusion, and I've said this on Press Row numerous times, 
wouldn't the fans, wouldn't it behoove them to when, when you know, Pitt is making a run or, or Duke or North Carolina or NC or whoever is making a run in the Dome, wouldn't it behoove them to get up and cheer when, and get up and be loud or boo the other team, whatever it may be, wouldn't it make more sense to be loud and vibrant when the team is down and the team is losing? Because when the team is winning, it's easy to get up and say, yay, great job, guys. But I would think that when you need that momentum switch and the, and the momentum boost, it always confused me that the fans are dead silent when the team needs a pick-me-up, and then when the team is already picked up, they're loud. Did that ever confuse you in the Dome? I'm going to leave it with this, Dan. So I've been to every ACC uh, ACC arena through my time at Syracuse, and the places like Duke and Carolina, I could not hear before the game even started at Duke. I know it's a small arena. I could not hear. My ears were ringing. I couldn't talk. I couldn't even talk to the players through pregame warm-ups. That's how loud it is. They have their music and their atmosphere. And, you know, maybe the maybe we don't have people close enough to the court at, in the Dome, but Carolina, the floor before the game, I kid you not, the floor is rocking, like moving. And I'm sitting there like, this is before the game is starting. They're already setting the atmosphere for the game. You know, Can you imagine an opposing team come in there and the floor is rocking? And it's just like little stuff like that that makes a difference, you know. And fans, just, I want them to know that you really make a difference in the game and you really get the team going. And it's going to be a fun season for Syracuse men's basketball. And I hope the fans are in it throughout the whole year because it's going to be worth it. And I think the football team is worth it too. So case in point, put simply, show up to the games, cheer on your team, show some love. Syracuse, LeMoyne, OCC, Cornell, Colgate, Everybody, Cortland, everywhere you can go. Who did I miss here? Oswego. Make sure you go out and support the teams, the local high schools as well. And there are no excuses. I always say to people, you can wait to get in line at Chick-fil-A because I promise you that after the game, you'll be able to get your chicken. Or you can wait to go to Destin, USA or whatever it may be. It just, it does. It boggles my mind. And this is my city. So I tell people all the time, I have the right to say this. I was born and raised here. When I was a kid, my dad would take me to the Dome. We would go to football games. I'm not talking about basketball. We would go to football games. And him and I would sit next to each other behind the goalpost, and I could not hear him talking with his mouth next to my ear, could not hear my father speak when Syracuse was playing in games against Pittsburgh and and so on and so forth. So, you know, be loud, be proud, be orange. That's what they tell you. Do it. You know, appreciate it. If I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going to see the team that I love and I'm going to wear the shirt and wear the hat and this, that, and the other thing, then I damn well sure if I'm going to lose my voice to anything, let it not be me yelling at somebody and being a jerk. Let it be me yelling at a game enjoying my life. So, you know, support the team. Go out there, and for everybody on social media saying you're not going to the Dome, do everybody a favor, and if you're not going to the Dome, just shut up about it. Stay in the hole that you're in. Eat your Fruit Loops and have a great day. But to everybody that wants to support the city of Syracuse and understands that the more you do to support the city, the better the city will be for you, me, and everybody, show up to the game on homecoming and support Syracuse as they look to get on the right side of things. They're 4-2 and two through the first half of the season. Their second season starts in a week. Go to the game. Just do it. With that being said, Katie, thank you as always. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that needs to be said. That coming from Katie Kalinske, coaching with class. Katie, as always, we appreciate it, and we look forward to talking with you soon. For sure, Dan. I appreciate it. This is a wake-up call fast break. 
is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90 inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Totoro's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513 or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. 
Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. In just a moment or so, we're going to get into the fantasy football Power Hour here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We have Mike Sofka on the line with us now, so we're going to hop into the Fantasy Football Power Hour right here, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, which is open every single day of the week, especially and including for all of our football fans. Of course, they're open on Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays for you to go and watch the game and have some fun. We thank you for going out there, and we appreciate the fact that the Wildcat is not a bar for one team or a couple teams, but essentially they're the bar for every single team. And I've gone there and and, and proven the case that when you walk through the door, you see your Houston Texans, your Jets, your Bills, your Giants, your Dolphins, your Bucks, your Jaguars, your Saints, your Browns, your Steelers, and so on and so forth. Fans of teams, your Bengals, your Chargers, fans of, of teams, the Niners as well. All over the country, I'll go to the Wildcat Sports Pub in Central New York, and we appreciate that, and we thank you for that. And it just goes to show how diverse Central New York truly is. Also brought to you in this this Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Penn and Trophy Center. PennandTrophy.com is where to go if you need to make an order online, and if you want to go and see them directly, you can go to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, or call them at 315-422-8797. They proudly make all of our trophies for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, including the Fantasy Football Trophies, and we thank them for the incredible work that they do with that. With that being said, we're happy to have Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football on the line with us this morning and every Thursday in the second hour of the show for the Fantasy Football Power Hour. Mike, how are we doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well. And, and, and Mike, first and foremost, just uh, what do you think about the Jamal Charles addition to the Jaguars? They... They haven't had Leonard Fournette for a full game in six weeks. It'll be now because we already know he's out for the Cowboys road game. So no Leonard Fournette for a full game this season if they have him at all. Corey Grant's on IR. So they go and they get Jamal Charles, who, when healthy, five out of six years, I think it was when when healthy, that 83% of the time he's a 1,000-yard back. So if he stays healthy, he's proven that he's dangerous. What do you think about the addition? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good thing. I think that they're going to try to give uh, Yeldon a break. I mean, he played a, a probably career high in snaps this past game, and that's not conducive to life in the NFL for most running backs. They, you know, that's why we see complementary backs or tandems throughout most of the league. But I think Jamal Charles makes sense. He was physically in mid-season form. Looks like he can, uh, you know, do things that you expect out of a late in his career on the backside of his career jamal charles he he was averaging over four yards to carry in denver it just he couldn't get the ball they couldn't get the ball to him with with the guys that they already had in-house i mean just trying to share that ball between lindsey freeman booker and 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 then charles so he was expendable and i think that Jacksonville is going to play it smart this weekend he'll probably get 15 20 snaps maybe four or five carries 
maybe some targets, but, you know, they're just trying to give Yeldon a bit of a breather, and then we're going to see more of a tandem or more of a complementary role, and his role should continue to grow on the Fournette side. I don't see Fournette coming back till after the bye, so we may not see him till what I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. Was it week nine? Yeah, if the if the Jaguars, pardon me here, if the Jaguars are to not have Leonard Fournette in the foreseeable future, then yeah, it would be we're in week six, seven, eight. Yeah, it would be it would be in uh, week ten because week nine is their bye, so it would be the he would be out until November eleventh, essentially. Yeah, I think that's probably what the plan is at this point from what I see. And we've talked about, that, about this before with, you know, any any injury to the lower extremities is, is challenging, especially for a running back. That's where their bread and butter is. But, you know, high ankle sprains are bad and hamstrings are bad because it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell until you test it. And then when you test it, it might be too late. And, you know, outside of needing surgery for a major repair, the hamstrings are delicate and, you know, that's the one injury place where you're most likely to relapse is, is a hamstring. So, you know, it didn't work keeping them out a couple weeks and then bringing them back. It didn't work. So now they're going to keep them out a couple more weeks and see if that doesn't help the situation. So, you know, I'm a Fournette guy. I, I want to see him play. He's killing me in my leagues that I have him. But, you know, that is what it is. You know, I, I went in expecting that, and we talked about this being similar to the Fred Taylor situation from many years ago. And, you know, Jacksonville went on a great run that year. So, you know, I'll take that in exchange for a healthy Fournette come playoff time if I'm a Jags fan. Yeah, I think the big thing is, you know, it's preservation, and they're trying to find a way to preserve Leonard Fournette. They're trying to not get him and lose him and get him and lose him and get him and lose him like – like it's felt like they're essentially, in my opinion, you know, from the outside looking in, trying to get them and keep them and looking for the best situation that's going to make something like that happen. And it looks like in order to get them and keep them, they have to, you know, put him through this process of, of being out, of knowing that he's out. You know, the first few weeks, Doug Marone waited, you know, till the last minute to say Leonard Fournette was going to play or wasn't going to play. And, you know, now the last week and this week, he's made it pretty clear that, you know, they let you know right after the game pretty much, yeah, he's not going to play next week. You know, he's already off. And, you know, they're, they're trying to be clear about it. Now, this Jaguars team has a lot of talent, and so they've been good enough to be in games or to win games, even though they don't have him there. But, you know, I, I would like to think that they want to let him heal up as much as possible. And the hamstring, as I've said before on the show, is a nagging injury. And Mike brought it up. You know, not only is it a nagging injury, but the Jaguars already know what it feels like to have a franchise back sitting on the bench because of a hamstring injury that ultimately affected not only the rest of the season, but the rest of his career in the NFL. So they want to get him better. They don't want to go through a relapse of, of what happened before, and I completely understand that. The big thing is, though, can they do enough? Are they going to have enough to get through this? Because almost every single offensive lineman has been on the injury report this season that's a starter. Cam Robinson's out for the season. Austin Safarian Jenkins, their top tight end, he's on injury reserve. Can't come back toward until, like, I think week 14 or so. Corey Grant's on injured reserve right now. So, you know, Mike, this is something that you hope doesn't happen to the Jaguars because it's happened to other teams in the past that they're not only a playoff contender but a Super Bowl contender. 
And with injuries to the offensive line, the starting tight end, the starting running back, the backup running back, TJ Eldon's not 100%. Marquise Lee is not going to play this season. You hope that, you know, things will get better for them. But everybody wants to blame Blake Bortles when, in essence, this team has dealt with more than I would think anybody's fair share of injuries early this season. Yeah, it's, it's not an ideal situation. You see they're bringing in Eric Flowers. Uh, Lyman uh, recently departed from the Giants. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to be enough to help. But, it, it, you know, they're doing what they can do. They're making I, – I applaud them for, for doing something, for making the moves in the right directions, addressing the concerns immediately, and taking decisive action. Not, nothing can beat that because if you, if you lay around and wait or you, you're skeptical and you overthink the process, you know, you might, you might think yourself outside of uh, getting a player. That could be the difference in your weekly fantasy league as to whether you burn a waiver on a player or wait for them to clear waivers and then try to pick him up, and oh, he's already gone. You know, you, you got to make those decisive decisions, and and right or wrong, you got to make those decisions. Hopefully, you're getting your influence in the right place. Hopefully, you're getting your research and your your information in the right place to give you that support that you need to make those clear and concisive decisions and quickly move on. And as Bill Belichick would say in Evil Empire, we're on to Kansas City. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and like they said, they don't think that that's going to make the cut for all of their promos that they have coming up. But, you know, it, 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 this is something that you said, and you say it in fantasy all the time. If you're, if you're not taking a step forward, you'll be a couple steps behind. You have to anticipate and be ready. You know, what do you think about the fact that the Jaguars are not waiting, they're not hoping that somebody gets healthy or, or wishing that somebody gets healthy, they're essentially saying, you know what, while they're getting back on it, we got to bring people in. We've seen them make moves last year. You know, they brought in Marcel Darius. We've seen them, you know, make moves this year and, and bring people in. What do you like about the fact that they're always essentially looking to expand and improve instead of just doing what some other teams do and and and, and namely what 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 the Jaguars used to do in the past, which is sit and wait and hope everything gets better. Wait for what? That's what I always say. Wait for what? You know, obviously you're in this game to win, and you got to win every week in the NFL. you got to prepare to win every week, and that's the same thing with fantasy football. It, it can be a week-to-week event, and it usually is. And while the draft is great and while you start out with a set of players, you know, I challenge you to look at who you drafted, and then at the end of the year look at that same team. You've made some adjustments and, you know, I'm not saying you always have to make a ton of adjustments if you draft well, but, you know, just like the Jaguars in real life, stuff happens. People get hurt, and you got to be ready. You know, if you're in Florida, you know, you like I am, you already kind of have an action plan for a hurricane, hurricane preparedness. It's the same thing. Every week you got to prepare. You, you know, okay, if, if the worst thing happens, this is going to be my move. If Sunday, if my... If my quarterback goes down, these are the guys I'm calling. You already know who it is. You already know who you're looking at. And then sometimes you're going to make moves ahead of time because I found in fantasy football, if you're not two weeks ahead, you're a week behind. So, you know, a great hats off, kudos to the Jacksonville Jaguars for taking an aggressive approach or what I see as a more aggressive approach than some other teams might. And, you know, hopefully it works out and hopefully the ball bounces their way and hopefully this thing will all, all be water under the bridge and Fournette will come back and they'll have a strong run. 
That comment from Mike Sofka as we're hanging out here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub of Camillus, New York, as well as the Penn and Trophy Center of East Syracuse, New York. Uh, Mike, let's hop into it. Let's let's get into week six. For everybody that needs to know if you haven't already checked it out, uh, Mike and I, as well as John and Jordan Newman, give our picks every single week on the prediction page. If you go to wakeupcalldt.com in the fantasy football tab on the top of the page, you'll be able to right under that tab see NFL predictions, and you'll be able to get our thoughts on every single week. Mike, you know, you've been doing pretty well. I got to shout you out. We haven't really talked about it. You started off 8-7 and 1 in week 1, then 10-5 and 1, then 9 and 7, then 10 and 5 again, and most recently 8 and 7. So, you've had a couple 10-10 win weeks, which is not too shabby to start off the season and you have not had a losing record yet. Yeah, well, I'm like Bortles. You know, you can count on me every other week to show out a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. You catch me on every week, you know, and it looks like, statistically, it looks like this will be the right week for Bortles, so maybe it'll be the right week for me. Yeah, and it's, you know, all jokes aside, it, it is it is real that, you know, Blake is, you know, and, I, and I've been a, a staunch supporter of Blake Bortles, you know, telling people to get off of him and stop blaming him for, you know, the sky falling, but... You know, in essence, he is somebody who is not consistent. He's consistently inconsistent, essentially, and that is something that you know you can't you can't defend. I mean, he's got to get better. He's got to be more consistent. You give up five possessions to Kansas City, whose offense is explosive. You give up five possessions to East Bumbletucky, and they're going to find a way to win the game. So, with that being said, we hop into our first matchup of the week, which is this Thursday. We'll talk about Bortles again in just a little bit. Philadelphia is at the Giants today, Thursday, October 11th, for those of you listening live. Thoughts on this one, Mike? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to go against the, the, the norm here. I'm going to take the Giants at home. I know they're 1-4, but the Eagles are 2-3. and three. Teams have learned how to, how to uh, defend against the RPO that they had so much success with. A lot of teams are copying that. It's a copycat league, so not only are they copying the RPO, but they're copying how to defend against it because they're going to face it for a lot of teams. You know, it's always the latest, greatest you know, phases and pretty much what a lot of teams have done to defend the RPO and what the Giants are going to do is not only are they going to key on that first handoff on that jet sweep guy or the guy in motion, and what the RPO is the run pass option. Let me back up a second. And what that does is Carson Wentz gets the ball and he can either hand it off, he can fake the handoff, he can run himself, or he can throw the ball. And he's got all those three things happening like within a second and a half of decision-making on his part once he gets the ball. Now, once he gets the ball, if he decides to pull that ball out from the running back and make it a true fake, the running back doesn't even know he's getting the ball until he gets it, by the way. He just has to go assuming it's going to be one or the other and he better be ready. What they're doing, what one way to defend the RPO is, I found, is that when Carson pulls that ball, instead of letting that number one receiver, who's normally a slant guy, let instead of letting that be an option immediately, they're jamming that receiver at the at the line of scrimmage and messing up the timing of that. So that's just one of the many ways that teams are going to defend against that. Now, knowing that, and you look at what the Giants have, you know they got Olivier Vernon coming back here. I think they're more solid at running back. I think they're more solid at receiver. You know, quarterback, they're a little 
contingent, but I think overall they're going to surprise some people tonight and win. And with that being said, you know, I'm still going to play Carson Wentz. I mean, he's still, in my mind, a mid-range quarterback, too. I think Eli's a bottom-end quarterback, too. I think Saquon Barkley's the player of the game here. I got him ranked number five on my rankings, whereas, you know, you look at the other side there with Jay Ajayi out, I think Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement are going to almost get like an equal share. Either one of those guys are going to be downgraded to like a running back three until somebody either comes out on top or they show more consistent performance. And, you know, and wide receiver Odell, he's a number five receiver on my on my rankings. And then you look at the, the Eagle side of it, Alshon Jeffrey. I got him ranked at number 28 this week, so that puts him in wide receiver three category. So, Again, I think there's some some strengths and some weaknesses that complement each other for the Giants to win. Looking at tight end, you know, Evan Ingram is still out. And the sad thing is, is his replacement, Red Ellison, is questionable. So they're deficient in tight end, whereas I think Philadelphia has one of the top tight ends in Zach Ertz. He's number two on my rankings this week. So it's going to be plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus. I'm going to go with the home team here, and I'm going to go with the Giants. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Giants as well in this game. I just feel like Philadelphia, you know, they're going through a lot of struggles. They have a lot going on that is affecting them. You know, losing Jay Ajayi, uh, Darren Sproles uh, being a guy who's been injured as well. I just, <clears throat> Corey Clement is now the number one guy. I think that's good in the sense of, you know, I have him on my fantasy roster. So, you know, we know that he can catch the ball and, we know that he can run the ball as well. We know that the Giants' defense isn't great. So I look at Corey Clement to be to be a flex position guy for you this week, in my opinion of this. You know, when when we look at Corey, and I just, I do. I mean, I, I think this is his time to shine. This is his time to show himself, and he's doing it against a defense that's not really that great. Any other injuries to really be concerned with on the team uh, outside of the ones that I said for Philadelphia, there's, there's not. Uh, For the Giants, Russell Shepard didn't practice on Wednesday due to a neck injury. A wide receiver on the team. As you know, Jonathan Stewart's on injured reserve. And outside of that, there's really nobody else to to worry about. So for Philly, Corey Clement, I I think, you know, putting him out there as a flex guy is a good idea. I think Elshon Jeffrey is, you know, a low-end wide receiver too. Nelson Aguilar has been consistently inconsistent. As we spoke about Blake Bortles, it's the same thing with Nelson Aguilar. Except for Blake, you know, is is winning some games out there. You know, Nelson Aguilar, I'd probably leave him off this week. He's not somebody that I trust in. He's a guy who can get you 10 points or one point, so I'm not a big fan. For the home team, the Giants, uh, not a fan of Eli Manning. Saquon Barkley, obviously, is the guy to look to in this game. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. with Philadelphia. I I have him as a wide receiver, too, because I think Philly's going to pose some threats to him. But this could be a high-scoring game because, you know, both defenses, I don't think, really do anything out there that stunned me or impressed me. So Elshon Jeffrey and Odell, I think, are worth the play. And I think Saquon and Corey Clement are worth the play. And, you know, Carson Wentz depends on who you have. If you have Carson Wentz and Eli Manning, well, then you play Carson Wentz. If you have Carson Wentz and Tom Brady, well, then you play Tom Brady. If you have Pat Mahomes, you're not even thinking about Wentz. So, you know, you can send us your personal questions on Twitter at CallDT and on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT if you're rolling the dice. I don't think Wentz is a bad idea, but I do agree with Mike that he's a quarterback too this week, and I, once again, am picking the Giants. Bucks at the Falcons. What do you have for this one as we start off Sunday? 
Yeah, it's gonna be a high score. I, I like Atlanta being the home team here. I got to go with the home team because it could come down to the last possession. This first game, Jameis is going to be back, and most guys that you have on either team's roster, you're going to want to play. You know, looking at my rankings here, I got Jameis Winston as a mid-range quarterback one. I know it's his first full game back. He had a half game, then the bye. He didn't look crisp, but I think against the banged-up Atlanta defense and, you know, more more specifically a banged-up secondary that they have, I think he's going to do well, and he's going to be, you know, led in the attack with Mike Evans. But before I go to running back, Matt Ryan's going to have an outstanding game. He outranks uh, Jameis on my uh, quarterback rankings this week. I got him ranked as number three quarterback. Jameis ranked as number seven quarterback. And the Bucks are going to switch things up a bit. They're going to go with Ronald Jones at running back. Peyton Barber hasn't been getting it done. I don't see Ronald Jones getting it done immediately either. Devontae Freeman still questionable. He may or may not play. If he does play, it's going to bring down Tevin Coleman a little bit. So I got both of those guys ranked as uh, uh, low-end running back two hoping they don't cannibalize each other. And, you know, if you're looking for a long-term situation to maybe back you up, a guy that may be out there, if you're in a real deep league, look at Edo Smith. There's a possibility he's going to start getting some touches because of this situation with Devontae Freeman. I know he's gotten some, but not enough yet. And if Devontae's, you know, contusion turns out to be a situation more like Fournette, that could be a problem for the Falcons because, you know, they need the offense. They need to outscore what their defense is giving up. You know, it's the opposite of the Rams. It's the opposite of Kansas City. Kansas City has a very porous defense, but they're like, go ahead, put 50 on us. We'll put 51 up, like the old greatest show on turf. So Atlanta's in that same situation. They have to score points. And they're going to be led by Julio Jones. Julio put up 250 in this game last year, if you remember. So I got Julio, even though he hasn't been getting the touchdowns this year, he's still the number one target. He's the number two wide receiver on my ranking this week. You know, Calvin Ridley's great. He's been a touchdown machine. Um, But he's at number 24 on my rankings. They're going to continue to try to push the ball to Julio. And Mike Evans for the Bucs is number four wide receiver on my rankings. I think Deshaun Jackson may surprise some people. That might be an affordable daily fantasy option. He could get some long ball looks here because they're going to have to air out the bar. Got Deshaun Jackson ranked as the number 30 wide receiver and tight ends. Atlanta's got to do a better job of getting Austin Hooper the ball. Austin Hooper is number 11 tight end, but Cameron Brait with the injury to O.J. Howard, that kind of helps Cameron Brait. And Jameis Winston likes Cameron Brait. He likes to throw him the ball. So Cameron Brait, the number nine tight end on my ranking this week. And I don't think you can play either defense in this game. And again, high-scoring affair. If you got this team, don't be on either Tampa Bay or Atlanta. Don't be afraid to play them. And uh, I think Atlanta is going to squeak out in a final possession. Yeah, I said this earlier on this week. The NFC South doesn't play defense. So the best games for you to have in this Big 12 type of division, so to speak. And maybe that's, you know, I I, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) the Big 12 has some good teams, but they also have – you know, some struggling teams. I think all the teams here can score, but between Carolina, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and New Orleans, nobody plays defense when they're playing these divisional matchups. It's great for fantasy football, absolutely tremendous for fantasy football. So, you know, these are the games where, like Mike said, you don't feel bad about throwing somebody out there. Now, O.J. Howard was limited with his 
MCL injury, the tight end for Tampa Bay. Outside of that, nobody for you to be to be concerned with. For Atlanta, on their side, we have Mohamed Sanu. He was limited in practice this Wednesday with a hip injury, and Devontae Freeman did not practice on Wednesday due to his foot injury that's been nagging him. That's typically something with Julio Jones, but God bless Julio. He has been well. Devontae Freeman, we can't say the same for. And like you said, Mike, with Ito Smith, you know, the, the rookie running back that they picked up probably is an insurance policy. Smart for them to have, you know, Ito Smith on the team knowing that, you know, if anybody goes down, which in this case has been Devontae Freeman, they can go to him. Ronald Jones, you know, this is kind of a wait and see thing. He's, if you got a bunch of injuries, a bunch of people on by, and you got him or he's the only guy out there of a few guys out there, then he's not a bad flex choice. But, you know, Ronald Jones is a guy who consistently underperformed and almost found his way off the team, even though he was drafted in the second round. So just watch the Tampa Bay one. I don't feel good about saying to play him, but if you're going to throw him out there as a flex position, at least they're playing in the NFC South, where, again, these are high-scoring games. I like Mike Evans in the game. Adam Humphreys, he's a flex guy for me. I like Deshaun Jackson in this game as well because you're going to get opportunities. Chris Godwin, another flex guy. Somebody's going to get the ball for Tampa. Jameis Winston's been a turnover machine. He throws a lot of interceptions, so just watch on that. Matt Ryan, I like him in this because of it being an NFC South divisional game. I like Tevin Coleman in the game as well. Ito Smith is kind of a wait and see for me in this one. Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley, I think, are worth the play. And Austin Hooper's been doing okay. The tight end who I felt was on his last leg in Atlanta is doing some good things right now. So Mike and I are both picking the Falcons, and you should be picking plenty of players in this game to put them out there knowing that we anticipate this to be a high-scoring 1 o'clock game for you all to enjoy, whether you're a fan of either team or not. Steelers at the Bengals. The Bengals are trying to be contenders. The Steelers are trying to show they're not out of it. What do you think about this one? You know, this could be another high-scoring affair as well, but anytime you have an AFC North matchup, it's normally punch one guy in the mouth, the other guy punches the other guy in the mouth. So it, it, it could be any any game, but I'm, I'm leaning toward this being a high-scoring affair, not quite the high-scoring affair that I anticipate the Bucks and the Falcons to be, but but near that. This is a team where I think Pittsburgh's definitely on the way up. I think the Bengals are in a good position. They're at home. I'm going to pick the Bengals to win this game. But I could see the Steelers win. I, I think it's going to be a close game as well. I, you know, I got Ben Roethlisberger and Andy Dalton, both 10 and 11 on my quarterback rankings this week. They're going to be able to throw the ball. That's what both teams do. And both teams can run the ball well as well. Joe Mixon, number six running back on my rankings this week. And you know what? James Conner has been getting it done. He's constantly a top five running back for me. So, you know, the Le'Veon Bell thing, he, he's not around. You know, what are you going to do? Well, you know, hopefully you've made some moves already. doesn't look like he's going to report for another couple of weeks, but James Conner's been holding it down quite fine. And on the outside, you know, Pittsburgh's got two of the better receivers in the game in Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'm just wondering how many more years, if any more years, we're going to be able to get of the both of these guys. Now, I know Antonio Brown's got the big contract now, but Juju Smith-Schuster, they're going to have to pay him pretty soon. This is a guy who's, 
outperforming his contract without a doubt. And then on the other side of the ball, you got almost a similar situation with A.J. Green, number six wide receiver on my rankings this week, and Tyler Boyd, mid-range wide receiver two. So anytime you have a good one-two receiver combo like that, that's great for your team, and it's really good for your fantasy quarterback. Tight end-wise, this is where there's a little bit of separation, but not much. And what I mean by that is, you know, Tyler Eifert's down. Tyler Croft is hurt. C.J. Uzuma may be the guy there, but he'd be a mid-range to bottom end, tight end two at best. And the same thing for Vance McDonald. Jesse James is dinged up and really wasn't getting it done in comparison to Vance McDonald. And we've all seen the the, the, the big hit that, you know, uh, McDonald gave on Chris Conte, you know, in that late-night game against Tampa. So, you know, a lot of people are behind him, and he's playing on a level that he hasn't played on in quite some time. But I think Cincinnati's okay to defend against that. Don't forget, Cincinnati's got Vontez Perfect back as well, one of the nastiest, meanest players in the NFL. Not sure you could play either defense in this one. But, again, I like the scoring in this game. Obviously, if you have a player on either one of these teams, you can roll them out there. There's going to be some scoring. And, again, I'm going to go with the home team again here in Cincinnati. Yeah, this game is is going to be an interesting one and a challenging one. John Ross has a groin injury. you got to watch that. Giovanni Bernard still uh, you know, being hampered by that MCL injury. And besides that, you have to also look to the fact that Tyler Croft, who's supposed to be filling in for Tyler Eifert, the two Tylers, the interchangeable Tylers of, of recent history where Eifert goes down, Croft comes in. You know, he's injured as well. So that's all for Cincinnati. you got to watch on those. As far as Pittsburgh goes, uh, nobody really to report that's not already injured for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in this game, I'm going to go with the away team as I always do. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, I have him as a high-end quarterback too in this game. I don't know how well he is because this could go one of two ways. This could be a tight, lower-scoring game or it could be a higher-scoring you know, 30-point game. This could be in the teens or it could be in the 30s or close to the 30s. I think it's going to end up somewhere in between in the 20s. So Big Ben, I got him as a quarterback too. He's not a bad play for you, but I'm not sold on him this week because I do think Cincinnati's got something, you know, potentially going on here. And uh, James Conner, you got to play him. I play him every single week. I love it. He has helped me out tremendously. If you're not playing him, you're stupid. And if you're looking for him on the waiver wire, he's probably not there. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, I like them both in this game as well. For Cincinnati, uh, to be honest with you, I like Andy Dalton more in this game than Ben Roethlisberger because I think Connor's going to get a lot of work. And, you know, I do think Juju and Antonio will get their time and they're worth the play. But I think Andy may potentially throw some more touchdowns in this game. So I like Andy. I like A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. They're all good for me. John Ross has not done a lot, and he's been hurt, so I leave him off on this. Not really sold on the tight end. C.J. Uzuma, if you want to play him, he's, to me, he's kind of a lower end. He's a, he's a second option at tight end, but it depends on what you have out there. I have two injured tight ends right now, so for me to go out and get a guy like C.J. Uzuma in this game, not too shabby. 
and you know Joe Mixon I'm not really a fan of. So I'd say Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and if you need to go find a tight end, C.J. Uzma is probably sitting out there. I'm going to go with the Bengals as well as Mike and I are snake eyes through the first three games. Chargers at the Browns. The Chargers are trying to prove that they are somebody, and guess what? The hometown Browns are trying to do the same. What do you think about this? Yeah, I know the Chargers are technically favored in this one. The last line I saw by a point. But again, I'm going to go with the home team here. I think the Browns are a better team than what their record shows. I think they're tying a couple losses there. You know, they they very well could be, you know, a team that's only got one loss or, or, or you know, maybe has a loss and a tie at worst. I, I just think they, they, they've had some bumps and bruises in the road here. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to help them overcome that at home. I think the Chargers are also being that West Coast team coming East Coast for the 1 o'clock game that normally doesn't fare well for a lot of West Coast teams. So, you know, with that in mind, I I don't know if you want to play either quarterback. You, you could probably play Phillip Rivers as a, as a top-end quarterback, too. He's number 14 on my rankings. But Baker Mayfield is a mid-range quarterback, too. I believe in him. I believe in the team. They're going to get something done. I just don't see it flashy number-wise. I think he'll be flashy performance-wise, but just not number-wise for fantasy play enough. Melvin Gordon is going to be flashy enough. He's the number two running back on my rankings. And, you know, they've been doing a great job of splitting things up with him and Austin Eckler. They're the number one, one, two punches running back in the NFL. You know, they're doing what Kamara and Ingram were able to do last year. You know, I know Mark Ingram's been gone for a couple weeks on suspension, but they're picking up that thunder and lightning type situation and, and they're doing well with it. And Eckler, even though his, touches have been limited his targets have been limited he's been doing a lot with what he's given although this week i think he's going to be a mid-range to bottom end running back three you know you know you can count on melvin gordon there and on the on the other side carlos hyde's been getting it done nick chubb's been peppered in and he's been increasing his production and you know i think that's important i know duke johnson's been dinged up as well so Carlos Hyde should be okay. I got him as a bottom end running back to the maybe mid range running back to somewhere in that area. And wide receiver, you know, it looks like Mike Williams is making a charge as far as the wide receivers go. I think Philip Rivers is kind of lucky. He has who he has at wide receiver between Keenan Allen, who's a who's who's a top wide receiver. I know he's been dinged up a bit too i got him downgraded to number 15 this week as far as the wide receivers go and i'm looking on the other side of the ball here and for cleveland you got to play jarvis landry he's the number one target there although i don't think he's much more than a high-end wide receiver too i think rashard higgins has been getting some looks i know he's been dinged up so david Njoku, and it's not Njoku; it's Njoku. I think David Njoku's worth a look as a tight end, too, in this game. And on the other side of the ball, as far as tight ends go, it's Antonio Gates. I mean, the Virgil Green thing's not working. Antonio Gates may show up in a touchdown-only league. He's the number 25 tight end on my rankings. And again, I look for a close game here. I think Cleveland is going to win. I'm going to go with Cleveland as well in this game, and i got to make a note of something. Mike Pouncey, the center, has been limited in practice. If he's not 100% go, people underestimate this, overlook this, and don't seem to care, but 
when your center's not feeling well or they're not 100%, that could cause some mistakes, some high snaps, some this, that, and the other that's not going to fare well for you. So, you know, I, I'm probably going to leave Phillip Rivers. I was on the fence, but knowing that Pouncey may not be 100% under center for him to hike him the ball, that makes me a little bit questionable here. There could be some mistakes. We know some wildly crazy things happen in Cleveland or when you play Cleveland, and that could add to it. Caleb Sturgis, their kicker, is limited. He has a quad injury. You want to watch this because your quad is a very important part of your leg, and your leg is what you utilize to kick field goals. So, you know, Sturgis is is something else to look out for. And, you know, if this game comes down to a field goal, which a lot of Cleveland games have, not having your kicker at 100% could be a big issue and probably would be a big issue if and when that were to happen. We obviously hope that everybody gets better uh, as soon as possible. Caleb Sturgis not being 100% could definitely affect this as Cleveland has played in a lot of games all the way down to the wire. I like Melvin Gordon for the Chargers. I like Keenan Allen for the Chargers. I don't like any of their tight ends right now, and I'm leaving Phillip Rivers off the board here. Baker Mayfield, he's a quarterback too for me. He's a, he's a mid-range, a mid-to-low-range quarterback too, but I like him. If you can play two quarterbacks, throw him out there. Depending on who you have on bye week, if you have a Drew Brees or a Matt Stafford off, then here we go with Baker Mayfield. So not a bad option. I do think he's going to score points, and I do think that he is going to get you something this week that, uh, that would be. I mean, I, I just have the sense and the notion that Baker Mayfield is going to get you more than just a few, and he'll probably you know be able to help you out in your fantasy football week this week. I like Baker Mayfield in this game. Carlos Hyde, I like him as well in the matchup. I like Nick Chubb. I do, but I relegate him to a running back two or a flex position because they don't give him the ball as much as they give to Carlos Hyde. Jarvis Landry, I like him in this one. Rashard Higgins is out for this week, which is really sad to see because Rashard has been one of the targets from Baker as every quarterback has their guy. So look to Antonio Callaway as a flex guy in this situation. But the two biggest options for you if you're going to play any Cleveland receivers are Jarvis Landry and tight end David Njoku. We're going to take a step aside after we do this game, and then we'll bounce back. So let's get into the and – and like I said, I'm picking the Browns. Bears at the Dolphins, Mike. What do you have for this before we take a fast break? Yeah, this will be an interesting game. I, I think anytime you go to Miami, think, you know, things can change. A lot of people aren't used to the heat, especially this time of year, and that could be the case for the Bears. But the Bears got that dominant defense, so I'm going to lean Chicago. I think Chicago is going to win in a good game here. As far as the fantasy play, Mitch Trubisky, mid-range uh, quarterback, two for me, 19 overall on my rankings. And the opposite is true for Ryan Tannehill. I think he's played a lot better, but he's going up against that Chicago defense, so I can't I, I, I can't trust that situation. He's a quarterback three at best for me this week. He better have his running shoes on because Khalil Mack's coming after you. And I think Khalil Mack maybe has uh, five games going, I think, consecutive with – or it's going to be five games consecutive with a sack – and a forced fumble. So that's easy to do on those strip sacks for him. It's easier said than done, I know. But this is a guy who's brought Chicago back to life. He's brought some relevance to that defense. He makes everybody around him better. And I think that's something you got to consider. So if you're lucky enough to have Chicago defense, or if you're lucky as I was in a few leagues where some people dropped 
Chicago defense because they were on a bye last week. Hopefully you went in and swooped them up. Sometimes that's overlooked, so don't be afraid to go in and check now. I doubt they're available, but if you don't check, you won't know. And, you know, running the ball, that seems to be a, a, a bit of a challenge for Miami right now. In my mind, I, I, Kenyon Drake's okay. It's just he hasn't been blowing the doors off anything. And, you know, when you got old man Frank Gore looking a little bit better than you, you should be ashamed if you're Kenyon Drake. Kalen Ballage hasn't been doing anything injured. Uh, Devontae Parker should be a decent wide receiver because they're going to have to throw the ball. But I don't think they're going to be able to get him the ball. So I don't see him ranked you know, anywhere. If he takes the field, I know he's been dinged up as well. Uh, Kenny Stills might be the best option for you receiver-wise. But still, you're going up against the tough defense in Chicago. I got Kenny Stills ranked at number 41 as far as receivers go. I don't think you can speak for a tight end for Miami. And in Chicago, Jordan Howard is the number 14 running back on my rankings this week. Tariq Cohen, he's going to check in at number 37. So, again, they're on the road, and they're trying to get these guys the ball. And it's going to be difficult for both teams to progress a lot at all. But if they're going to throw the ball, they're going to throw the ball. They're going to try to target Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson seems to be the guy that they're they're trying to make sure they keep him going as a number one there in Chicago. Anthony Miller tried to make something happen. I think he's dinged up right now as well. Taylor Gabriel, I, 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 he's leading the team in targets. So anytime you have a, a team leader in targets, it's just math. You're going to make some receptions. He's a number 39 receiver on my rankings. More of a flex play for you. And you know what? Trey Burton, they're going to get the ball to Trey Burton. He's the trick play guy. He's the guy that catches you off balance. He's that sneaky guy who plays tight end, who's really more of a split end or a flanker. And this is a guy that they're not afraid to throw the ball to. He's a playmaker, Trey Burton. He's a low-end tight end one in this game. So, again, I'm going to go with the Bears in this one on the road. I think the defense is going to be too much. I don't think there's going to be a ton of fantasy points in this game. But it should make for some interesting watching if you're, if you're, if you're a fan of those close, low-scoring games. Yeah, for me, I just I, I think that you know I mean for goodness sakes, <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky threw six touchdowns and no interceptions against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers most recently. Here, you know he's done some good things. Do I think he's going to go off like that in this game? No, I do think that playing in Miami is strange for for whatever reason. It's strange. It's strange for the Patriots. It's if it's strange for the Patriots, it's strange for everybody. And, you know, for Chicago, they're 3-1. and one. They're trying to prove that they could be a contender, a la, and thank you to John Gruden for being an idiot. So, you know, and, and what I mean by that is Khalil Mack and allegedly never sitting down with him, never talking with him, shipping him away, didn't see eye-to-eye, eye, didn't care, didn't know, didn't whatever it may be, the best player on your team is in Chicago now, making their defense look good. I think there could be one to two defensive touchdowns in this game for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, neither one of them is separating themselves to make me feel good about anything. Tariq Cohen has, you know, he, this is a guy that can end a game with one yard and maybe a touchdown. So if you're going to play either one of them, Jordan Howard, but he's a low end two, high end three at running back for me. I don't trust in them to do a little bit of anything for me. So, not a big fan. Uh, as far as their receivers go, 
Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, nobody's really shown out and shown me that they can be the guy. When we go back and we look at the game most recently here and, you know, who who he was throwing to, Tariq Cohen was getting the ball a bunch, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and so on and so forth. You know, Tariq Cohen, for me, because they're playing Miami and Jordan Howard's been down and Jordan Howard's really not the guy to catch the ball, I'm going to flip the script on this and I'm going to say, in this game, coming off of... See, this is where it's really hard. Tariq Cohen's coming off of a great game. But that usually means that he plays terribly after that. So, you know, Tariq Cohen, again, if it's Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, send them to your flex position. Don't play them both. And if I had to pick one or the other right now, I would like to think that it would be Tariq since the team wants to throw the ball more than they want to run. It's, it, it is. It's it's very, very difficult because, and Mike can understand this, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, they look good, they sound good, but they don't consistently play well. So if I'm going to put my feet to the fire right now, I would say either one of them is a flex. I guess I would pick Tariq Cohen at this point in time. But I have a feeling that by saying that, Jordan Howard's going to do something. Taylor Gabriel, I would look at him as a wide receiver too. I like Trey Burton as your tight end. I don't think he's a bad choice to have by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, Allen Robinson is just, he's unimpressive since he left Jacksonville. So I'd leave him off your board for this one. As far as Miami goes, they have 17 quarterbacks on their team. I'm kidding. They have four, which is a lot to carry on your roster. And, you know, I don't like any of them, to be honest with you. I don't like any of the running backs either. I don't like Devontae Parker. If I'm playing anybody on Miami, it's Kenny Stills. But even then, I'm not I'm not sold on it. I'm more Chicago in this. Jakeem Grant, who is on the injury report, so just watch this. He's not one of their main receivers, but he is known for being a good returner. So, that is something to look at if you're desperate. But in all honesty, I think this is all Bears. I think it's Bears defense. I think it's Cohen, Howard, potentially. I think it's Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton. By the way, I feel better about the receivers than I do about the running backs, and I'm picking the Bears. We'll take a fast break here on the show. We'll come back with plenty more in week six of the Fantasy Football Power Hour. Seahawks at the Raiders after this fast break. This is a wake-up call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. 
True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. I'm proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And when I say I, I mean Dan Tortora. Proud to be here with you. And every Thursday I get to spend some time with a, a good friend, a hell of a, a fantasy football mind, and just somebody that I always appreciate talking to. They say that, you know, you should make an effort to call your friends. And I have this wonderful excuse of getting to call my friend Mike Sofka because I need to have him on the show every week. Fantasy Football Power Hour, we always have a great time. We we call it the Fantasy Football Power Hour. In reality, it's the Power Hours. We are past 11 o'clock, which is normally when the show is supposed to end. But we always go over because we want to bring you all the information that we possibly can to help you out to make sure that you're ready for the week. And if that means we got to spend a little bit more time in the office, then we got to spend a little bit more time in the office. So with that being said, uh, I'm always happy to have Mike on the show. We're hanging out here in the Fantasy Football Power Hours, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and also by the Penn and Trophy Center. You can find Mike all the time on HalloFameFantasyFootball.com before the season, after the season, and during the season because – There is no end to fantasy football season. We are back into the matchups. We've already given you the Eagles, Giants, Bucks, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals, Chargers, Browns, Bears, Dolphins. And we are now on to the Seahawks and the Raiders. Mike, what do you have for this one? Yeah, you know, I think the Raiders need a pass rusher. Isn't that funny? You know, if they only had a pass rusher, that's all I keep hearing. Well, you had a pass rusher. I'm not going to get into that. We've already talked about that. You know what? It's tough to pick Oakland when they can't pressure. FL, you got to do two things. You got to protect your quarterback and you got to rush the other quarterback effectively. And they're not able to do that. So I got to go with Seattle on the road in this game. Russell Wilson hasn't been having a Russell Wilson type year, but he's still a borderline quarterback one, quarterback two for me at number 13 on my rankings. Rank Derek Carr is high. He's number 21 on the rankings. Amari Cooper, you need to catch the ball. You need to quit dropping passes. You need to be a little more crisp on the route tree. You need to get yourself in a position to make your quarterback successful. You haven't been getting the job done, my friend. Jordy Nelson is a better 
receiver on that team than you. The old man, Jordy Nelson, the castaway from Green Bay, is number 37 ranked receiver on my board this week. And you know what? On the other side, Tyler Lockett has been showing out. He's been getting the job done as far as receivers. You know, not all the time 100%, but you can count on him. You're going to probably have in your league two, three receivers you start. He's number 19 on my ranking, mid-range wide receiver two. And you know what? I'm looking elsewhere. They're going to try to get the ball to Nick Vanette, but they're going to try to get the ball to Doug Baldwin. Looks like Doug Baldwin should be back. They got him a little taste last week, and now I'm counting on him to ramp up his production. But Nick Vanette is a guy that's on the up. He may be available if you're desperate at tight end this week. They're going to try to get him the ball, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't sneak in a touchdown or so this week. So he's number 17 tight end on my ranking. And you know what? On the other side, Jared Cook. Jared Cook is the guy in Oakland. If Jared Cook was a tight end on most other teams, he'd be a solid player. But I think because he's in Oakland and they haven't been able to get the ball to Amari Cooper with any success, I think that helps Jared Cook, ironically. Now, Jordy Nelson is a guy you can depend on. Martavius Bryant is going to the Amari Cooper School of Drop Passes. He dropped one or created a fumble last week after a crucial catch. These guys got to hold on to the ball. And because they can't hold on to the ball, I'm going with Seattle in this one. Reasons why I love Mike Sofka. One of them, calling Jordy Nelson, quote, the castaway from Green Bay. It makes me think of an old Tom Hanks on an island, and it makes me happy. So before I say anything, Mike, let me add that to the list of reasons why you're loved on the show. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So with that being said, Seattle at Oakland – Mother of the good Lord, Seattle is not a good team this year, and Oakland is, ha, 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 ha. I think John Gruden was paid to be, like, a, a, I don't know, a sleeper cell because it seems like he went into Oakland to blow it up. But, you know, the way that I look at things right now for this matchup, Seattle doesn't play well on the road first and foremost. They struggle like crazy this season on the road. So I'm not a big fan of Russell Wilson in this game. Uh, running backs, Chris Carson, you know, it's it's who should get the ball in Seattle, who's worthy of getting the ball in Seattle. And, you know, they just lost it in a high-scoring matchup against the Rams at home because it's the only place where they could play well. If it's up to me, I would say Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson are your best bets. I'm not against Nick Vanette, so I, I like that as well. He may be out there for the taking. So those would be the three that I would give you from Seattle. As far as Oakland is concerned, I'm not a Derek Carr fan, and he's playing against the Seattle Seahawks. I like Marshawn Lynch at home. Amari Cooper I don't draft because he has been an underperforming player forever. So I'm just, no, I'm not doing it. So if I have to tell you anybody, any wide receiver from Oakland, It would be Jordy Nelson, who is a wide receiver, too. And Jared Cook. I thought last year he was going to assimilate himself into the Raiders, coming from the Packers, and he was going to be a go-to target. Well, he wasn't last year, but he is now. So, I like Jared Cook in this game as well. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, who do I pick for this one? I think think I'm going for the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm going to pick them in this one. Mike, you said you're going Raiders as well, correct? No. Oh, no. 
You're going with Seattle. So see, I was I was so in love with what you were saying that I just I didn't listen to your end part. That's what it's called. That's called capturing the moment, Mike. I was I was off somewhere else with smelling the daisies. I didn't hear you say Seattle. My apologies. No worry. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. We're on to Kansas City. So <laughs> but uh so I'm going with Raiders. Mike's going with Seahawks. It was. What you said about Jordy Nelson, apparently it just caught me and it took me like a butterfly off somewhere. And now I'm back. Cardinals at the Vikings. I just can't pick the Seahawks on the road because they struggle. Cardinals at the Vikings. Josh Rosen and Kirk Cousins. Two new quarterbacks for their teams this season. Rosen's a rookie. They call him the pretty boy. And Kirk Cousins is finally making that money. Fully guaranteed contract. The Vikings look like they could be contending. The Cardinals are just hoping that they can get some victories under Josh Rosen's belt. What do you think about this one? Yeah, that's all this is, and I, I can't pick the Cardinals for that same reason. I'm going to go with the Vikings at home. I think the Vikings are going to win this one, and they're going to win this one big. I think Kirk Cousins is having an awesome year, and he better have an awesome year because they're having trouble running the ball without Dalvin Cook. Now, Octavius Murray looked a little better last week, and he's number 19 running back on my rankings. You could use Octavius but there's other better options out there. But if you're looking for that spot guy, that guy who still may be out there, unbelievably so, you know, this is a guy that you might be able to count on and maybe as an affordable dynasty daily play, uh, dynasty daily play as well. So, you know, if you're looking at winning money, that's what you look at. You look at the bargain guys you can find, and then you build a good team around them. You don't start with the good team. You look for the bargains first, then you build around them. At least that's the way it's been successful for me. Okay, back on to Minnesota. Look, the defense hasn't been what it should have been, but it's going to be this week against a rookie quarterback. I got their defense the number three defense, and that's going to be the difference in this game. Josh Allen, you can't start him, but you already know that. And I'm sorry, Josh Rosen, you can't start. You already know that because of Minnesota's defense. Their defensive secondary is just sick. I know they're missing Everson Griffin. I know he's out and he's taken away from that ability to rush the passer, but they got other playmakers on the defense. They're going to be just fine. Kirk Cousins has been getting it done. He's a guy you can count on as a number eight quarterback this week, and he's going to throw the ball with success to Thielen and Diggs. Thielen and Diggs both are mid-range wide receiver ones. What a great problem to have. Oh, and then you can back that up with a Kyle Rudolph, a borderline tight end one for us at number 13 this week. David Johnson, they need to make an effort to get him the ball. I I, I don't see what the problem is, but you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that's going to say, oh, David Johnson's underperforming. I think he's just in a bad situation. I think in obvious run situations, they're loading the box on him, eight, eight, nine guys in the box. And for some reason, coming back from this wrist injury, he hasn't developed that rapport with Josh Rosen yet. So hopefully they'll be able to continue to grow together here. David Johnson, number nine, running back and you know I sounded real negative there but I'm used to David Johnson being in the conversation with Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon. I'm not used to him being in the conversation with Marshawn Lynch and TJ Yeldon you know and Sony Michelle. It's so it's a little bit of an adjustment period for me with David Johnson but rightfully so I think. Look they're going to try to get the ball to the old man in Arizona. I'm not sure they're going to have the have luck getting the ball to anybody but maybe Christian Kirk. 
This is a guy who could be a dark horse for you. This is a guy who you may be able to count on and help you in that daily fantasy league as well. And same thing with Ricky Seals-Jones. They got nobody else. This is who they have. These guys are going to get looks, and that's all you can ask for when you're playing fantasy. Give my guy the opportunity. Give him the target. So, again, I'm going to take Minnesota big in this game. I said it, and then I said it, and then I said it again, and I hope that you listened. Because last week, when Josh Rosen got his first victory as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and the Arizona Cardinals got their first victory this season, the man that he threw to more than anybody else was the man that I said is going to have that tandem with Josh Rosen And that is Christian Kirk. The torch will be passed eventually from Larry Fitzgerald. And Christian Kirk, in my opinion, will have a tremendous season with an S on the end of that, seasons with Josh Rosen. I think he's going to become the number one guy. I think that they're going to become a tandem and a one-two punch. So, with that being said, I like Christian Kirk in this game. I like Christian Kirk to be out there because he's probably, if you're dealing with injuries, and like Mike said, bargain shopping, if you're dealing with injuries and dealing with all the stuff that's been going on and bye weeks and whatnot, Christian Kirk may still be out there. And so when we're saying that, I'm whispering because he's probably not going to be out there in an hour from now. So go get him right now while we're talking on the on the line on Wake Up Call with Dan Zatora. Don't waste another moment. You got to do it right now. Go get Christian Kirk if he's still there. If he's on your roster and he's been sitting on the bench and you totally forgot he was even there, maybe this is the time to throw him out there. Because he is going to become, in my opinion, Josh Rosen's favorite target. So, with that being said, I like Kirk in the game. I like David Johnson. He's not doing a ton of great things as far as yardage, but he did get a couple touchdowns this past week. So I do like that. And I don't know how you could leave David Johnson off. I think he's a low-end one for you at running back. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, got to play him in this game. Why? Because Kirk Cousins has that big play opportunity. I left him on my roster, and I was actually going to potentially switch him a couple weeks ago. He got me almost 60 points. It was insane. So stick with Kirk Cousins. Delvin Cook has been hampered by a hamstring injury. So has Leonard Fournette, both drafted last year. So Delvin Cook is the guy to stay away from. Latavius Murray is also the guy to stay away from. I'm not a big fan of him either. Mike Boone, I covered when he was at Cincinnati, got to spend some time with him. He might get some opportunities in this game. He probably will, but I don't like any of the running backs from Minnesota. Adam Thielen, you got to play Adam Thielen. The guy has done a tremendous job this season. Stephon Diggs is somebody to look to. Kyle Rudolph potentially as well. As, as an option for you moving forward to check the quick injury report. Not too much to write home about. There's a hamstring injury with Larry Fitzgerald, and outside of that, that's pretty much it, which I think even more so tells you to play Christian Kirk. I'm going with the Vikings in this game. Colts at the Jets. What do you have for this one, Mike? Yeah, this is a, this could be an interesting game. I think Andrew Luck's on the way back. I just don't think they figured out the supporting cast around him yet. I, I, I just it baffles me that they can't get this done. I think they need more offensive line help. They need something for Indianapolis and the Jets. The Jets seem to have stumbled into a great quarterback in Sam Darnold. It's just again, it's going to take time for this chemistry to build for these guys. 
and fantasy-wise, the running backs cannibalize each other. I know Curlwell had 200-some-odd yards last week. You want to impress me, Curlwell? You want to go up to RB1 status? Do it again. Do it this week, and I'll be impressed. I'll eat my words. I'll eat my cheat sheet. How about that? Do another 200 yards. I'll eat my cheat sheet. I'm going to put it out there. I said it. I'll go on record. There'll be a video on YouTube of me eating my cheat sheet. Should he go off for another 200 yards? How about that? All right, look, Andrew Luck is a guy that's on the rebound. He's the number 12 quarterback on my rankings this week. Not so much with Sam Darnold. Still interception prone. Still doesn't have it figured out with the supporting cast around him. That's unfortunate. One week it looks like no no receivers. Next week it looks like it's Quincy and Muon. And then the next week it looks like it's Robbie Anderson. we got to get some consistency fantasy-wise for you to play these guys with any confidence. Look, Running back, Naeem Hines has been getting more confidence, especially in a PPR league. Right now he's a bottom-end running back two for me, but he's a top-end running back two when you consider PPR formats. He's the guy that's going to be getting the most targets, the most looks, because he's the guy that's had the most success. I mean, let's face it, you look at the performances that, that you know Jordan Wilkins has put out, and they haven't been very good. Marwin Max trying to get back from injury. That seems to be taking forever. T.Y. Hilton was the one guy he could count on. Andrew Luck, that is. And, well, he's dinged up as well. So look for, you know, more explosiveness from Orion Grant. But I don't think you can play him either. The one guy you can play to catch the ball from Indianapolis is Eric Ebron, number four tight end overall. I don't think you can consider Indy's defense. I do think you can consider the Jets' defense. They're the number four defense on my ranking this week. I don't think the Jets have a tight end worth playing. And receiver-wise, again, it's a mixed bag of tricks. What's Who's going to show up? Maybe it's a new, uh, you know, n- n- maybe it's the, the, the other favorite that was supposed to be the number one in Robbie Anderson. But I can't play either one of those guys with confidence above a a wide receiver too, a bottom end wide receiver too. So I think Crowell and below Powell are mid range, uh, running back threes, maybe flexes for you. But again, I'm serious in my commitment. You go out there and you run for 200 yards again. You, you do that again, Isaiah Crowell, and I'll eat my cheat sheet this week. Um, you too. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Jets in this one. I don't think Indianapolis has figured it out, and I think it's going to be all about defense, and the Jets' defense is the number one thing I like about this game. Well, Mike, I don't think you're going to have to be eating your cheat sheet, and if you are, I suggest putting some pepper and Parmesan on there. But if you're not, which I don't think you will, Isaiah Crowell, who somehow, someway, looked like a phenom in week number one when he was in Detroit, and then became Isaiah Crowell again. And then somehow, someway, most recently, he became this phenom once more. But will Lightning strike two weeks in a row? I don't think so. As much as I want to see you eat your cheat sheet, which would be tremendous, I will go on I I'll go on this thing and I'll I'll one up it, Mike. I will let me think here. What will I do? Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Isaiah Crowell, I will eat a ghost pepper if he runs for 200 yards this week. That's how confident I feel about it. I will eat a ghost pepper. So you will eat your cheat sheet. I'll eat a ghost pepper on Facebook Live. So I am. I do have Hispanic blood. I do like spicy food. I will eat a ghost pepper if Mr. Crowell gets 200 yards this week. 
I don't know how the heck he's done it twice, but I don't see lightning striking a third time, let alone in back-to-back weeks. I know God's humor, and I know that now that I put myself on the line, God's like, maybe I'll roll with this one. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that God doesn't want me to eat a ghost pepper. I know that he is a comedian when it comes to my life, but I am hoping that he will be gentle. With the Colts and the Jets game, gen- gentle God, please. Please let me have a gentle God. I know that I do. C.Y. Hilton has a hamstring injury, didn't practice. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron both didn't practice on Wednesday. Hip injury for, Do- for Doyle, a shin injury for Ebron. <sighs> So with the Colts, you know, they have a lot of injuries, a lot going on. I'm not a big fan of the Colts. I'm not a big fan of, of their fantasy value. I do like Naheem Hines, though. And shameless plug, I covered him when he was at NC State when I covered the entire when I cover the all of the ACC. So I have Naheem Hines on the list of guys that I'm rooting for and hoping for in the NFL. And if you're going to play a flex guy, I like Naheem Hines. I think he's a good option for you. Maybe a low-end running back too, a flex option for you. If Eric Ebron is good to go, he has been doing well with Andrew Luck, who likes to throw to the tight end. So he is an option for you if he is healthy enough to go, but you're going to have to watch that. Outside of those two guys, I don't like anybody from the Colts. Sam Darnold, I said it before and I'll say it again, I think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions in his rookie season, but when all comes down to it, when push comes to shove, I think that over a decade in the NFL Plus, he is going to look like a really good quarterback and a really good choice by the New York Jets. So I I, I don't say he's Peyton Manning. I'm not saying this at all when I make this statement. I'm just making a parallel between Peyton Manning being on a Colts team that only won one game when he was a rookie. He looked terrible through a ton of interceptions. I see Sam Darnold as kind of that way too, baptism by fire, and then he'll start to get better, although I would not play him in this game. I'm not going to play Crowell or Bilal Powell in the matchup either. They are playing the Colts, so maybe I put myself in a bad way, and maybe Mike did as well because the Colts don't play a lot of defense. But Quincy Inunua seems to be the guy, if you're a Jets player, to put him out there and give him an opportunity. Robbie Anderson, every quarterback has their favorite, and Robbie doesn't seem to be that. Terrell Pryor's on the injury report. So if it's up to me, I would say Inunua, Robbie Anderson, only if you're getting somewhat desperate. I'm going with the Jets in this game too. Panthers at the Redskins, Mike. What do you have for this? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. Interesting for the opposite you know, I think that, you know, if you're a Panther fan, you know Cam likes Cam. But Washington's defense hasn't been playing too badly, especially the front line. Cam is going to try to run the ball like he normally does and call his own number. But he's going to have to rely on some receivers in this game if he wants it to happen. But I don't know if his receivers are good enough to deliver. So I think there's going to be a lot of Christian McCaffrey. Cam, I got as a number nine quarterback this week. And on the other side, you know, you, you take a look at what they're trying to do with Alex Smith, and sometimes he's looking like a world beater, and sometimes it's looking like the world has beaten him. So he's a mid-range. He's as middle of the road as I can get this week. Alex Smith is number 15 on my rankings. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey is going to have to lead the charge here, especially if you're in a PPR league. But he's going to be the number one guy toting a rock for Carolina, number seven running back on my rankings and I don't know about Adrian Peterson I do know that if you have Chris Thompson in your PPR league you want to play him with confidence as an RB2 but the Adrian Peterson thing with his age with him having to take himself out of the game 
popping his shoulder out, popping his shoulder back in. You know, it's my understanding that once that shoulder starts going in and out, it's going to continue to do that. And at his age, that's not a good thing, especially with the pounding you take at running back in the NFL. So I don't know if you can count on Adrian Peterson. If you have to, roll the dice. Roll the dice with him as an RB2, but I wouldn't count on him for a lot of production this week. And receiver-wise, I'm just concerned. Devin Funch is dinged up, hasn't been getting it done for Carolina. DJ Moore looks like he's gonna be a guy. If you're in a dynasty or a keeper league, this is a guy you want to, you know, you want to target. But they're missing their tight end. Supposedly Greg Olson's coming back this week. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm cautiously ranking him as the number 14 tight end. Look, when he's on the field, he's the number one pass target for Cam Newton. So that's a good thing. There may have been an owner who was impatient and dropped him early in the year. I doubt it. I doubt that anybody's let him sit out there that long. But this is a guy you may get some value for. This is a boomer bust play this week in Greg Olson in daily fantasy because we're still unsure what we're going to get. So keep that in mind. You know, looking at the receivers, though, I think Washington has the better receiving core right now, but they've been underperforming. Jamison Crowder, Josh Dotson, Paul Richardson, these guys are underperforming. The guy who doesn't underperform, as long as he's healthy, though, is Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, consummate tight end one. This week I got him ranked number eight. So I think you can count on Jordan Reed. I don't think you can count on any receivers from either side of the ball. And it's ironic because they have to throw the ball to be successful in this game. You're going to see a lot of Christian McCaffrey. And for the record, I'm going with the Panthers. Interesting. Very interesting. Because I'm going with the Redskins in this one. I'm going with the Skins because the Skins, as Mike said, haven't really had a bad season. They haven't done terribly. They have been able to you know, defensively do some good things. I think the Redskins are a little bit of a sleeper right now. Not for the playoffs, but a sleeper when it comes game to game. I like I like what they're doing at this moment. Cam Newton, I don't think he's going to have the best game. I got him as a, as a quarterback, too, this week. Christian McCaffrey, I would look to. And DJ Moore, not a bad option, but he's only a flex for me in this situation because I still think it's going to take a little bit more time and I don't know if Cam Newton's going to have the best of games. Greg Olson, you got to watch him. He's still hurt. He's still questionable. So for me, Christian McCaffrey's a safe bet, and then DJ Moore as, as a potential uh, flex for you on Carolina side. For Washington, not a big fan of Alex Smith. Adrian Peterson, I would look to put him out there. As long as he is good to go, I would look to put him out there. Chris Thompson is on the injury report. Just watch it. I like them both in this game. I don't like any receiver for the Washington Redskins. And Vernon Davis is on the injury report, which leaves Jordan Reed open. So I like Reed, Thompson, and Peterson, and I'm going with the Skins. Bills at the Texans. This game always seems to be strange. Teams are the same color, and and usually it's it's somewhat of an ugly game. What do you think about this one, Mike? Well, we'll get Mike here on the line. Mike, what do you think about this one? Bills at the Texans. Okay, so we think we we may have lost Mr. Sofka. We're going to get him back on the broadcast here in just a moment as uh, we are looking to get him back on the line. 
and we have Mike here right now with us. So, uh, Mike, what I was saying was I'm going with Thompson, Peterson, and Reed and just watch Thompson on the injury reports. And I said, I'm staying away from Cam, going with Christian McCaffrey, maybe DJ Moore as a flex or, you know, right before the game, maybe I swoop him in and make that decision and throw him in there. Bills at, and I'm picking the Redskins to win the game. You're picking the Panthers. Bills at the Texans. What do you have for this one? Yeah, I think it's going to be all Texans in this one in a big way. I think Houston playing at home and then Houston playing the Bills. This is all going to line up perfectly for them. Look, Houston's challenge. Their offensive line is dinged up, and it's it's porous to begin with. They're having trouble running the ball. What they're not having trouble doing is letting Deshaun Watson do his thing. Deshaun Watson is the number five quarterback on my rankings this week, and that's because he can throw the ball to guys like DeAndre Hopkins. And Will Fuller is able to take the field. You know, last week was the first week that Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson were ever on the field at the same time, and Will Fuller didn't score a touchdown. So I look for him to rebound and get back on track if he can make the field. So if he can, that's something to watch for. Because, again, they haven't had much success with Lamar Miller running the ball. But Lamar Miller, if you have him on your team, you may have to roll him out there if he's healthy. I know he's dinged up, but he's a running back three at best. And last week when Alfred Blue filled in at the last minute, again, it was meh. It was middle-of-the-road stuff as far as fantasy points are concerned. So, you know, it's obvious they have offensive line woes there. They're trying to get an identity at tight end with a Ryan Griffin and a Jordan Atkins. You can't really count on a tight end from them. I think what you count, can count on is a J.J. Watt, uh, a Jadavion Clowney. That defense is sick. They're the number one ranked defense going against Buffalo this week. Josh Allen's not going to have a very good game. If you have Josh Allen on your team, well, I'm sorry, you're not going to win much this year, and you're not going to win this week at Houston. LaShawn McCoy, he's been the subject of trade rumors all week. I think they are entertaining trade rumors, so if Chris Ivory is still out there, you may want to jump on this guy. The trade deadline is coming up in a couple weeks, so that's something to consider. There's some teams that could use a running back. Sam Brand could use a running back. Philadelphia, McCoy was attached to the Philadelphia rumor this week, so and, and don't forget, we got Le'Veon Bell floating around out there as well. So trades are coming up. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're two weeks ahead, not a week behind. Go get you some Chris Ivory if you have bench space and stash him if he's still available. But I got LaShawn McCoy as the number 20 running back this week. I think LaShawn McCoy is the only player on that team. He's the only guy that can do anything, in my opinion, on Buffalo. I, I just don't see it. Kelvin Benjamin not getting it done. Zay Jones is the number one option as of late, and he doesn't look any good either. You know, they don't have a tight end anymore. I I just, again, Buffalo's a train wreck. LaShawn McCoy's the last player they have. He'll probably be traded before the trade deadline, so go get you some Chris Ivory if you're in a deep league. And again, on the other side of the ball, Houston, you're not going to get any running touchdowns here. You may get some passing touchdowns. The big play is on the quarterback and the defense of Houston. Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans defense. Houston's going to win this one big. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, this this matchup could be ugly. It, it could be downright just not, it, it could be somewhat unbearable to watch. I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I think... I think Houston, who has definitely struggled, and Buffalo, who struggled, but Houston's at home in Houston, 
is playing up against the Bills, and that's the benefit to them. And we know that Houston can attack, and we know that they have a lot of guys that could get after the quarterback, and we know that the Bills' offensive line has an open-door policy with defensive linemen trying to attack their quarterback. So, you know, for me, i got to pick the Texans to win this game. I like the Texans you know, in this one because of those situations. And because of that, I'm not a big fan of Allen in this one. This could be another shutout for the Bills. This could be another time where they struggle to score any points. Maybe they get seven out of it. I think they're going to lose this one big time. Like you said, LaShawn McCoy is the only good thing left in Buffalo, which typically means, folks, survey says... Buffalo will get rid of them because that's what happens. When Buffalo has one or two good players left, they let them go. That's what Miami did, and they're in the same division. Ironic? I, I, I think so. Crazy? I don't know. So, you know, LaShawn McCoy, like you said, he's up on trade rumors and this, that, and the other thing. I don't, I don't like him in this game with everything circling around him. I think the receivers struggle because of Josh Allen and the offensive line being able to get the ball out. So I'm not picking the Bills in this one with with anybody. Deshaun Watson, you're at home. You're a high-end quarterback, too, to me. Lamar Miller, I never say to play him, but I would put him as, a, as maybe a flex guy for you or a low-end running back, too, because he's playing Buffalo. Hopkins and Fuller are both on the injury report. So is Kiki Kuti, and, you know, I, I think – I think it's only fair since, you know, certain players have their songs, then, you know, it's it's only fair for me to to have a song for Kiki because he just, I, I mean, I feel like he deserves one, right? He deserves his own song. And with that being said, we, we have it on in the background here, folks. We're going to get it a little bit louder for you. But, you know, Kiki Kuti has to have his own song here. I mean, as long as Hopkins is healthy, I think you got to go with Hopkins. Fuller is a roll of the dice. But, you know, for me, I, I think playing Deshaun Watson, playing Lamar Miller, and at least DeAndre has got you in some good footing. I'm waiting for my guy Jordan Atkins to make it happen because I covered him at Central Florida, and I'm hoping big things from him. But like I said, everybody has their song, and Kiki, you now have your song too on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and it is coming up in just a moment, and here it is. So, Kiki, do you love me? I love the name. It's one of my favorite names in the sports. So we have we have the the Kansas the song by Kansas. Whenever we hear from that beautiful running back from the Detroit Lions, and then we have our song here, Kiki, do you love me? And and that might be the question some people are asking if if DeAndre Hopkins is hampered by injury and Will Fuller is, and somebody goes out and gets Kiki. Those fantasy owners are going to be asking, Kiki, do you love me? Are we winning this week when I play you when we go out there in week six because I need to get close to the playoffs? So, yeah, I just made my own lyrics, and you know that I'm good for it. Chargers at the Broncos. What do we think about this one, Mike? Wow. Sounds like a top 40 hit on your hands there, Dan. You might want to move on that one. Listen, listen, all I'm saying is that was all off the cuff, ad-libbed, in the moment. Kiki, do you love me? Are we winning? Because I need some help for week six because I need that pick so I can get to my playoffs someday. That's all I'm saying. And now I leave it to you. I like it. I like it. 
I like it. All right, look, the Rams and the Broncos are teams going in two different directions, and I think that's primarily because of quarterback play and running back play as well, and I'll explain here. I think I think that the Rams are going to win, all right? The Rams are a much better team than the Broncos. I know it's mile high. I know the air is thinner. I know all that stuff. These are professional athletes. This is not a new thing. Oh, my God, all of a sudden we got to go to Denver. We've never been. We don't know what to expect. They already know all this stuff, so the thin air stuff, all that stuff's out of here, all right? These are professional athletes. They train specifically for this game differently than other games. So long story short, the Rams are going to continue to do what the Rams do, and that's stay undefeated, and that's throw the ball, that's run the ball effectively, and that's run up the score. you got to wonder, you know, if Denver had Jared Goff, would they be much better off? Well, they might be, and I can't put all the onus for the success on Jared Goff but he's not taken away from that success either. Jared Goff, number six quarterback on my rankings, whereas on the other side of the ball, Case Keenum, I don't know what's going on there, but it it doesn't look like the Case Keenum I know. Number 23-ranked quarterback, if you have to play him because of a buyer and injury, I get it, but looking at the running attack, this is where the game's won for L.A. all the way around. Todd Gurley, he's proficient at catching the ball, running the ball. He's a number one running back, PPR or standard, most weeks, and again this week. And you know what? Philip Lindsay's been getting it done for Denver, more so than Royce Freeman. Philip Lindsay, a, a bottom-end running back two. Royce Freeman, a bottom-end running back three, or a flex play for you. And the funny thing is, is the receivers – the names are, are on both sides of the ball, but it looks like only the Rams are the ones that are able to get something done with it. You know, you got Cooper Cup, he's still coming back, dinged up, and Robert Woods. Both of these guys, they're starting to look like Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Look for both of those guys to be out on the field. Look for both of those guys to succeed this week. The guy I'm worried about, though, the one guy that I'd, I, I'd like to see, and I'd like to say he's going to be out there, is a Brandon Cooks. You know, he may not be out there, but if he is right now this week, again, he's coming back from injury as well. He might be a bottom-end wide receiver, too, for you this week, ironically. And that's simply because of the defensive backs that Denver is able to deploy on a number one receiver like him. So look for a lot of coverage on Brandon Cooks because he's the biggest deep field threat they have. But I like Cooper Cup with the underneath stuff and and Robert Woods to get a good mix of the in-between there. So Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are your guy. Not so much on Cooks this week, but he's a viable play. He's a bottom-end wide receiver, too. On the tight end side... Wow, I'd like to sit here and tell you that, oh, oh, yeah, these are the best tight ends out there. But when your tight end is named Jeff Auerman, I don't think anybody recognizes that guy. Or Matt Lacoste, I I don't think anybody recognizes that guy. And on the other side of the ball, when your tight end is Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby, nobody knows who these guys are. You know why? Because they're not putting up numbers. If they're putting up numbers, we know who these guys are. So needless to say, you can't play any of these guys. I like the Rams in this game. I like the Rams' defense in this game. I think they're going to cause Case Keenum to throw some interceptions here. The Rams, number eight defense this week, they'll win this game, and they'll win this game by a big margin. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the of the Rams, you know, and, and everything that they've been doing this season. I think they're definitely making a case for themselves to head toward, the obviously, the playoffs if not the Super Bowl this season. I think they have a good shot at the Super Bowl where we stand right now. So I'm going with the Rams in this game. 
And, you know, you do have a couple guys. You got Cooks and Cup coming off of concussions. So just watch on that. I like Jared Goff. I like Todd Gurley. I like Cooper Cup in the game. And then to me, it's a toss-up between Woods and Cooks. So, you know, I kind of throw that up in the air. Woods is the healthiest of the bunch. So I think you should put him out there. You should put Cup out there. Cooks, we'll see. But like I said, I like Gurley and I like Goff. If I had to put the receivers in order, it would be Cup, Woods, Cooks, or but but Woods is is the healthiest, like I said, with two guys coming off of concussion. As far as on the other side for Denver, Philip Lindsay seems to be their guy right now. He was an undrafted free agent out of Colorado, whose team is currently undefeated as one of the few FBS teams to be undefeated. So shout out to drafting him out of Colorado and shout out to Colorado continuing to win since he's left. So Philip Lindsay, I think he is worth, you know, maybe a, a low end number two for you, if not a flex. And if somebody for some reason let him sit out there and doesn't know that he plays football, then it's worth picking up and getting after him. The receivers haven't done a lot of great things for Denver. And pardon me before because I said the Chargers at the Broncos. I meant the Rams at the Broncos. But, you know, we look at their most recent game here and and how the guys kind of settled things. Thomas was first. Sanders was second. That's how it seems to go. And Cortland Sutton was able to get a touchdown. So, you know, for me – I would say in this game, I think Cortland Sutton's a dark horse. I think Demarius Thomas is the best option for you, but I think that this is going to be Rams. I think it's going to be all the Rams, their defense, their special teams. I like them too, and I'm picking the Rams to win this one. We'll take our final step aside, a wake-up call with Dan Satora. We'll be back with the Fantasy Football Power Hours, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, 
something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Yet we always find a way to go a little bit longer on Thursdays in the Fantasy Football Power Hours, which finds its way to be longer than that hour that we promise you, but under-promise, over-deliver is what you got to do in life. You don't want to over-promise and then not come through, so you do the opposite. Thank you for being here. The Fantasy Football Power Hours proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus. You're home every single day of the week. You're home once a month to come see our West Genesee live show. Brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Satora with the programs of the Wildcats of West Genesee that are just over the hill from the Wildcat Sports Pub. And, of course, you're home to watch all the games for the NFL and your fantasy football hub and the hub of all of our Central New York fantasy football leagues that we're proud to call home here, the Dream Chasers, Captains on Call, Q's Contenders, and, of course, the Gridiron Gurus and the Penn and Trophy Center in East Syracuse now, 
119 E 2nd Street in East Syracuse, right by BJ's Wholesale Club across the street from there, and you're home to make your fantasy football trophies, as well as any trophy, anything that you're making for an anniversary, a wedding, a holiday, a birthday, any type of engagement, as well as, you know, for Christmas gifts to get something engraved, customized, and made. And, of course, they have your awards and your employee of the months and so on and so forth there. And they have all the business needs that you need as well to make yourself look professional and feel good in your office when you look around and, and you see that, you know, you want to look the part and feel the part. Well, the Penn and Trophy Center is how to do it. And, once again, you can call them at 315 422 8797 to set up an appointment or to just go out and see their stuff on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. We got a few more games to get through here with Mr. Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Four games left on the docket for week six. Jaguars at the Cowboys. This game is a game that I am definitely circling on my calendar because of personal reasons. Mr. Sofka, what do you think about this one? Yeah, not a good game for quarterback play. Although, I don't know, are we on the plus week or the negative week for Blake Bortles? He's inconsistent, up one week, down the next. Last week, I know he got a bunch of garbage yards. Look, I think Dallas has the ability to pressure the quarterback here, and that might make Blake blink, if that makes any sense. And, you know, he he can be irrational at times with the ball. And that's a bad formula. The mix in the combination with Fournette being out and – with them having to go to the pass and passing like a record 61 times, I think it was last week, and that's a Jacksonville record, by the way, not an NFL record. This is a situation where you can't win by having Blake Bortles throw the ball be the only way to go, and I think they realized that. You know, T.J. Yeldon played a record number of plays for himself. That's not a good formula for success for keeping your running back healthy. He's got an ankle injury to begin with, and then Fournette's out. That's why they brought in Jamal Charles. So I look for Jamal Charles again to maybe get 15 to 20 uh, snaps, maybe four to five carries or targets. I think that you can't play him yet, but he's a guy that you could pick up and stash if he's still available because they got to take the pressure off Yeldon. They got to take the pressure off Bortles. They got to take some wide receivers need to step up a little more. The tight end situation is a little bit of a mess, but I saw Niles Paul step up, you know, and and I think that they're going to be okay if they can follow the script, follow what the coaches have game planned for them. I think Jacksonville is going to be okay. I think they could even be okay in this game. Now, that being said, I'm not a total lunatic, and I don't think they're going to roll in this game, but I do think they're going to win. I think they're going to win on the road in Dallas, the Jags are, and I think it's going to be big. Again, can't count on either quarterback. I think they're going to be uh, mid-range to bottom end uh, quarterback twos. Running back is where Dallas has their success, especially in PPR. I think Zeke's going to get the ball. When they're done, they're going to give Zeke the ball some more. Number four running back on my rankings this week. And for the Jaguars, they know they have to run. They have to run the ball more. And that's going to put T.J. Yeldon at bottom end running back one status, number 12 running back on my rankings this week. You know, wide receiver, I'd like to see the Jacksonville wide receiver step up a little more, a little more consistently. So each guy elevate his game. 
on a little more consistent basis each week, even if it's week to week to week. What I don't need to see is one week it's Westbrook, one week it's Cole, one week it's Moncrief. They need all these guys to step up their game at the same time. With that being said, I don't think you can really count on any one of those receivers as being a, a top-end guy. Maybe a you know put them all in the bag, pick a name out, and that's a wide receiver three or or a PPR flex option for you. Not super excited, you know. Notwithstanding the the better week Niles Paul had last week. I, I don't think you can start that guy. I just don't see it happening here. So I think for Dallas, they're still searching for a receiver. I don't think, and the owner has come out and publicly said, we don't have a number one receiver. Well, duh, your number one receiver is sitting on a couch watching you tell the media that you don't have a number one receiver. Look, kiss and make up, get back together with Des Bryant. When Cole Beasley's your number one receiver, you got problems, my friend. When Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, or Dalton Schultz any given week, I can't tell who the tight end is. You got a problem there, Dallas. You need to fix the problem, Jerry. Kiss and make up with with with, with Dez just for the end of the year. Put him on a short contract. But Dez, you can't go in there asking for ten million dollars either. Both you guys kiss and make up. Let's get Dallas back on the road. Let's pick up Dak's numbers a little bit because Dak is suffering and Dak's looking bad in this. And it's not good for Dak's career. They need to come up with a number one receiver in Dallas. Now, Dallas is going to be able to pressure Bortles. We all know that Jacksonville can really pressure the opposing quarterback. The Jacksonville defense, a number six defense on my rankings. And Dallas' defense, number 12 this week. So look for it to be more of a defensive game. Again, I like the Jags on the road in a pretty close one. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Jaguars in this game as well. You know, hopefully for Jags fans, it's not it's not that uncomfortable type of close. The irony is that the majority of the Jaguars' offensive line is on the injury report, and the majority of the, of the Cowboys' defensive line is on the injury report as well. You know, this is a week where Blake Bortles would normally turn it back on. But, you know, I think Jamal Charles, he's not bad to roll out there because they're playing the Cowboys. And there's no film on, you know, what Jamal Charles has been doing this week. So you got to go back to the past and whatnot. I like Jamal Charles as a flex guy. I think that he could be a little sleeper. I may or may not have picked him up and put him on one of my teams, just saying. So I don't think he's he's a bad guy to have out there. Uh, TJ Yeldon has been hampered by somewhat of an injury, but I like Charles and Yeldon in this one. I also like Dante Moncrief in this matchup because, you know, you got to remember, Alan Hearns is on the Cowboys now from the Jaguars. So he can give him a little, a little thought about, yeah, hey, Keelan Cole, he typically does this. Or D.D. Westbrook typically moves this way. So he can kind of tell them where this guy's going to go, where that guy's going to go, because I played with this guy and here's his tendencies, which leaves a guy like Dante Moncrief, who he didn't play with and who has been playing pretty well, some opportunities. D.J. Chark's a wide receiver four, but I think Moncrief is a wide receiver two for you. And I don't feel great about the tight end situation. It's more of Yeldon and Charles and I think Moncrief in this game for the Jaguars. For the Cowboys, you got to play Ezekiel Elliott even reluctantly at times. He is their best player. And I agree with Mike, and I've been saying it all the way through as well. The team that needs a wide receiver more than anybody else is the Dallas Cowboys. The team that refuses to call Des Bryant is the Dallas Cowboys. The team that put themselves in a bad position by getting rid of their one and having no plan afterward is the Dallas 
Cowboys. So to make a phone call right now to Des Bryant and say, hey, I'm sorry, let's try this again, and maybe this is going to end violently, but for now we can get back together and we can pre- you know, we can kiss and make up and be lovey-dovey. Maybe I end up throwing your stuff out the window after this season or next season, but for right now will you come back here because it's lonely at night watching Netflix by myself. That's how it feels. And Dallas, you are not in a situation where you can't make the phone call. So just do it. And apparently you put a black mark on Des Bryant because nobody else wants to date him. So it's either you date him or he ends up as an eligible bachelor. But Dallas, I know that you're trying to Netflix and chill and you can't do that without Des Bryant. So make the phone call. With that being said, Ezekiel Elliott is the only player that I like on the Cowboys. I'm picking the Jaguars to win the game. Ravens at the Titans. This friggin' Titans team, I swear they're the thorn in the side of the Jaguars. They always find ways to win, and now they're playing at home against a team that's finding a way with a team that's finding a way. So which team that's finding a way finds the way to win this one, or do they tie this game, Mr. Sofka? Yeah, Ravens don't feel good about losing to the Browns, so I think think the Ravens are going to come out a little bit upset. I think the Ravens might have a little bit better situation here. I'm going to take the Ravens in this game. Look, Again, just like the last game, not good quarterback play from either team in this in this game. Mariota, I know he's got the elbow problem, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. He also has a receiver problem. He also has a problem with a tight end. I mean, he also has a problem running the ball. Only one guy really playing worth the darn there, and that's Deion Lewis. Look, you can't count on either quarterback, maybe a bottom-end quarterback, too, for you on either side of the ball, whether you're playing Flacco or whether you're playing Mariota. I don't like either one of them, but it is what it is in some cases, and that's who you got, Flacco number 20 and Mariota number 26 on my rankings. Look, the only guy running the ball that I like on either side right now is Alex Collins, but Deion Lewis isn't far off that pace. Deion Lewis is looking a lot better than Derrick Henry. Both of those guys ranked 27 and 28 on my rankings this week. And receiver-wise, this is the tale of two teams who are really struggling for that identity. Baltimore was able to bring in some decent names. John Brown's been lighting it up. I think that's a guy that you got to consider as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three for you. And if he's healthy, if he makes the field, that is. Crabtree's been a disappointment in my mind. I, I You can't count on that guy at all in, in any circumstance right now. And that's a shame because he's supposed to be the number one there. The guy who's trying to be the number one is that tight end, Hayden Hurst, first game back from being injured. You know, I, I know they've been spreading the ball around with Max Williams and Mark Andrews, and they've been fortunate to be deep in the tight end position there in Baltimore. But Hayden Hurst is a machine. He's worthy of being a top tight end week in, week out, fantasy-wise and for them, but just not this week, not yet. First game back, probably still feeling the effects. He's a number 31 tight end on my ranking, but look out for this guy long term, and if he's available out there on the wire, go pick him up because he's a playmaker. He's a difference maker. He's a game changer, and those are guys you want on your fantasy team. Look, Tennessee would love to have a tight end like that. Tennessee would love to have a guy catching the ball consistently like that. Well, Taewon Taylor is going to be the guy. He's leading the team in targets, and Corey Davis looks like he can be something, just not week to week, and that's a problem in fantasy. I need to be able to count on you every week. Well, Corey Davis, I'm going to give you another chance. You're the number 18 receiver on my team this week, on my rankings. And you know what, Taewon Taylor, you're not far off. You're a wide receiver three. 
I think it's going to be all running the game on both sides of the ball. There may be a big player or two from an unsuspecting player in this game, but I got to go with the Ravens on the road in this one. Yeah, this one's tough, and I've kind of learned my lesson watching as long as I have of this Tennessee Titans team, which makes me believe that they're going to find a way to squeak this win out as well because they just find ways to win the games. So I'm going to pick the Titans in this matchup, although I think the Ravens have the better fantasy value than the Titans do at this point in time. And, you know, as far as the Ravens go, I'm going to say that, you know, Alex Collins is obviously worth the play in this one. John Brown seems to be more of the favorite of all the new receivers, Crabtree, Sneed, and Brown. So I'll say John Brown in this matchup as well. They're tight ends. It's hard to figure out who's going to be the guy for Baltimore. For Tennessee, they seem to find a way to get some yardage with Marcus Mariota. Only if you can play two quarterbacks would I put him out there. I don't trust him as a quarterback. I trust him as a runner, and that's what would make me give him an opportunity. I think Derrick Henry should be out there for you, low end two, high end three. And their wide receivers are kind of up in the air as far as who I would tell you to lean on when it comes to their wide receivers. Most recently, for the Tennessee Titans, who are a 3-2 and two team right now, they lost to the Bills by a point on the road. And Tennessee's receivers, Corey Davis, Tajay Sharp, and uh, Taiwan Taylor, in that order, were the guys that were you know, in the situation. Taiwan had as many yards as Tajay Sharp, but I should flip that order because he was targeted a little bit more. So, you know, if, it, if it's up to me, I would say Derrick Henry is the only one that I feel good about with the Tennessee Titans. But I am going to pick them to win this game because somehow, someway, they just continue to to battle the Jaguars and be a thorn in their side. Chiefs at the Patriots. We got just a couple minutes left, so we're going to run through these quick. The Sunday night football, Monday night football. What do you have for Chiefs at Patriots? We're on to Kansas City, essentially. Yeah, I like this game a lot. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to watch this game. I'm excited for the fantasy points in this game. Look, Pat Mahomes is explosive. He's electric. He's dynamic. He can do it all. He's getting sacked. He's throwing the ball with his opposite hand. This is a guy that you got to play, but you know that already. Pat Mahomes, number one quarterback. Oh, and guess who the number two quarterback is for me this week? He's on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady. So you're going to get excellent quarterback play in this game, and the defenses are going to suffer. Stay away from the defenses here. There's and, and you know what? The idea behind slowing down Pat Mahomes is running the ball, and they're going to try to do that a lot because he, if – Pat Mahomes can't beat you if he's not on the field. That's what they try to do against the Patriots. They're, both teams are going to try to run the ball, and that's a good thing for the running back. Sony Michelle, number eight running back, and James White, the number 13 running back on my rankings this week. Oh, and guess what? In a PPR league, they're even more even because I think James White is going to get a lot of targets, probably nine or ten targets minimum catching the ball. So they're a little more evenly both running back ones in PPR I think Kareem Hunt is worth the play. He's a bottom-end running back one. And the receivers, there's some value in receivers for both teams, but for different reasons. Tyreek Hill, fastest guy in the NFL, number seven on my rankings this week. But then you take a look at the other side of the ball. You take a look at what Kansas City you know, puts out there. Not only do they put a uh, Tyreek Hill, but Sammy Watkins has been consistent. Now he's been dinged up, and should he be able to play – 
he's going to be a value play for you as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And Travis Kelsey, top tight end on the board this week. Well, you know what? Rob Gronkowski is going to try to overtake that and put out some big plays this week. He's my number three tight end. And New England, well, God bless them. They're trying to get it done with Julian Edelman. He's going to get a lot of targets. This is the guy they're going to look for, number 21 receiver. And Josh Gordon, Cordero Patterson, these are guys you're going to target as well, you know what? This guy's affordable in fantasy for my team. He's a deep threat option. He may get it done. He may not. These are coin flip type guys, but these are guys you want to roll the dice with in a game like this because it's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of scoring in this game. Don't play either defense. Exciting quarterback play. And you know what? I'm going to go with the evil empire at home. I'm going to go with the dark side. I think somebody's going to take down the Chiefs this week. And what better place than here, what better time than now, New England wins this one going away. All right, I'm going to make this quick since we have uh, just a a couple minutes left here. But, you know, with that being said, I'm going to go on the other side of things. Kansas City found a way to beat him with Alex Smith last time around. And this time around they have Pat Mahomes and I think Mahomes is going to do them better in this one. I think Mahomes is also pissed off about how the, the way that he played. But Mike said the evil empire, so I have to play this. I think every single time there's a press conference for... Bill Belichick, that's what should be in the background of the – I think that's how he should walk out, and that's how he should leave at all times. And I think he sh- he should have the Stormtroopers behind him the whole time. And since the Patriots have red in their color, they should have those red long banners that come down that have the Patriots logo on it. It just seems too fitting to not do. Copyright and TM, I'm going to take it on that one. I like Pat Mahomes in this game. I like Kareem Hunt in this game. Tyreek Hill as well. Travis Kelsey and a dark horse, Sammy Watkins. For the Patriots, Tom Brady, Sony Michelle. Julian Edelman's going to get a lot of touches. Chris Hogan's not 100%, but I still think Josh Gordon's a dark horse in this game, and I think Rob Gronkowski is there. I think Hogan and Edelman are both worth the play. We only have exactly a minute left, so we're going to make this very rapid, Mike. 49ers, Packers, what do you got? Yeah, it's going to be all Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers is worth a play. C.J. Beathard isn't. I think running back-wise, Alfred Morris is going to get a bump this week. He's up to number 18 on my rankings. I think Aaron Jones is still feeling his way back. He's a running back three for you. I think where you're going to find the value is Devontae Adams. And if you're looking for that sleeper guy, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a deep guy, maybe a daily fantasy guy for you. On the other side of the ball, not so much. San Fran receivers aren't getting it done. San Fran tight end, George Kittle's getting it done, number six tight end. And right behind him, Jimmy Graham for the Green Bay Packers, number seven. I think Green Bay wins this one going away with defense. Okay, I'm going to be quick in my response. I don't like anybody on San Francisco this week unless their name is George Kittle, the tight end for the team on the side of the Packers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers in this game. Not a big fan of any of the running backs. Devontae Adams is worth the play. Geronimo Allison, you got to watch it because he's out of the concussion protocol right now. But I feel good about Devontae Adams and, and feel good about Aaron Rodgers. So that does it for this week of the Fantasy Football Power Hours 
with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com and of course myself, Dan Tortora of Wake Up Call DT.com. You can check out all of our fantasy football shows in our archive by going and clicking on the fantasy football tab on Wake Up Call DT.com. Under the fantasy football tab, you'll also see more tabs for the NFL predictions. You can check that out as well. And you can go to the homepage of Wake Up Call DT.com. And if you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, there's a quick link to our fantasy football show archive. There's also the opportunity for you to connect with fantasy football through the TuneIn app as well as the Podbean podcast, the iTunes podcast, and the RSS feed. You'll never miss another episode of the Fantasy Football Power Hour. And of course, we appreciate everybody that hears it first by going to mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt like you did today and tuned in. You can also listen on the homepage of wakeupcalldt.com to the MixLR feed every Thursday beginning around 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. As always, Mike Sofka, I appreciate you and I thank you for being a part of the show. Yeah, thanks, Dan. See you next week. Once again, that being Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football. Com. want to also give a special thanks to Monster Energy, who fuels Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora by providing us with their many different Monster Energy drinks that they have. My favorite being the Ultra Red Zero Calorie Zero, Zero Sugar one is, is my favorite. And let us know yours by giving us the hashtag BeAMonster and let me know what your favorite Monster Energy drink is and you know mine. So with that being said, thank you to Monster Energy. I also want to give a special thanks to the Syracuse Stallions. You can find them at SyracuseStallions.com. Their first game is coming up at the end of October. First game ever, inaugural season. First time pro basketball is back in Syracuse, New York for decades upon decades upon decades. Daywan Coleman is back on the court. A lot of local players are back here in central and upstate New York. You definitely want to come and see them play. The home games are at Manlius Pebble Hills Gym, so definitely come out for them. You can check out their schedule and so much, so much more by going to Syracuse Stallions com and on my facebook page facebook.com backslash wake up call dt you could check out their video from one of their practices that you definitely want to see coming up on tomorrow's show for tgif we have what we always do on a friday the annoying moment of the week proudly presented by carvel dewitt we'll start off the show at 9 a.m eastern time followed by significant sound bites which will be right after and that'll be right around 9:30 a.m. Eastern time and we will have Dino Babers Q&A from his conversation with me on the ACC teleconference you'll get my questions his answers coming up in the segment significant sound bites this Friday at 9:30 a.m. Eastern time and then we'll head into the second hour of the show which is a show within the show it's actually truly went from a segment to being another show within Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and that is Friday Morning Live. It'll be on live video and audio. On audio, obviously, you can stay tuned on MixLR.com backslash DT, and on video, you go to Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. That's Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT to watch Jordan Newman and John Newman with me of Newman Sports Cards as we talk about cards, the hobby. They share their cards of the week. I'll share some of mine as well that I just got in, and we'll also be discussing a little bit of everything. It is essentially your late-night talk show in the morning, and that is Friday Morning Live. Thank you so much for tuning in today. God bless you as always, and be well. Be good to one another, and take care of yourself.